On this episode, we discuss Peppermint, starring in Head Over Heels, only on Broadway. everyone, and welcome to the Flophouse. I'm Dan McCoy. Oh, hey, I'm Stuart Wellington. And over here, it's Elliot Kalin, a guy who occasionally yawns, which Dan McCoy takes to me, and hold the phone, everybody, the world has to stop, while Elliot is yawning. Well, you know what, folks? Uh-huh. Sometimes I yawn, and yeah. sometimes people can just keep moving and working uh-huh. my yawning. All right, Dan, yeah. what do you think about well, that? <laughs> Elliot's, uh, Elliot's peeling back the shell of this oyster right now, yeah, uh, like show people the sticky uh, goodness that makes the Referring to a thing that happened before the podcast started, which was me pausing oysters to start are- the podcast to allow him to yawn, which... You know, seems to me to be a reasonable thing for a broadcaster to try and do, but nope. <laughs> Elliot's like, no, we got to get this show on the road. Dan, might I remind you that one of the most successful recording artists in adult contemporary history was Yanni, mm-hmm. a man who live at the Acropolis yawned through his entire act, hence the name. All right, guys, Check I just uh, I just suggested that oysters are sticky. Do you think I'm smearing them with an unfair uh, label? Or uh, I think, considering I've eaten many oysters and I've never had a sticky one, yeah, or or maybe inaccurate. maybe I'm just revealing that I'm not a real uh, oyster freak. I mean, you know, kind of, <laughs> you also said something about peeling back the shell, which is not uh-huh. really how the yeah. shells of oysters work either. Yeah, you yeah. got to pry that thing open. It does. It's not like a sardine can. Yeah, no, oysters you don't. are kind of known for like just sort of sliding down the throat. If they yeah. they're sticky, you would be choking. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Now, so an oyster, let's just, to put it in the most palatable terms, this is the way I described oysters to my son. An oyster is kind of like a big piece of snot that uh-huh. you just gulp on down. Uh-huh. And it's delicious, and there's kind of like a briny aftertaste because okay. it's of the sea. Oh, wow. So you're, uh, that's, you're working on your Yelp review for oysters right now? <laughs> Thumbs up, like a big piece of snot. You I don't, say, hey, remember that scene in thumb Indiana system. Jones? That, <laughs> that scene in Indiana Jones and the Temple of Doom where they eat a monkey's brain? Uh-huh. This is like that if it was a sea monkey's brain. Oysters, uh-huh. won't you? <laughs> okay, well, now that we've put our best foot forward, let's ask for money. Because <laughs> what? right now, it's the most wonderful time of the Max Fun year. Uh, Max Fun Drive, a time when we come to you hat in hand and say, hey, pay us, won't you? <laughs> <laughs> please? Yeah. Please, yeah, we sir, can we have some eyes. more? Mm-hmm. Um, because, look, you know, this, this, this place doesn't run on nothing. Uh, that's true. I mean, it mostly well, runs, runs on love. Runs on Duncan, right? <laughs> uh-huh. Oh, and love. No, love a- and Duncan, yeah. Uh, I think America runs on Duncan Elliott. Um, uh, and this is an American podcast, correct? I guess you're right, yeah. Uh, but Dan, we also run on money, as you say. Yeah, uh, Stuart, you do you have something you want to say about money? Okay. Yeah, so uh, just first off, we mentioned it's the Max Fun Drive, and that's going to start on Monday. And the no, Max Fun- incorrect. Oh, shit. <laughs> we're, we're, this is right in the middle of it. Oh, oh, wow. Okay. Uh, I'm my big mistake. It's already started. Dan uh, just uh, corrected me. Uh, or perhaps he misled me with earlier information. We'll find out. Perhaps you didn't <laughs> pay attention the way that you could have. Uh, that <laughs> seems, Guys, seems very this. unlike Maybe me. Maybe we could redirect it to Max Fun Drive. <laughs> now, Max Fun Drive is the time of year when we ask you, the listener, to help support us, the creator, because as Dan said, it takes money to make this show and it takes money to live a life in this world. 
We don't yet have the socialist paradise we're all hoping for with the universal basic income and everything. So let's work together. And by that, I mean you give us money. You do the part that, that you should do by giving us money. You don't and have to give all, us all your money. That would be crazy. That would we're be not insane. asking you to do that. But to give us the reasonable amount you think that you can provide to us, maybe as a one-time donor, but we'd love it. You could, you could be a monthly donor. Stuart, tell us more about it, won't you? Yeah, the – uh, it's important for us because obviously we're all, uh, you know, you're directly supporting us, but also we're all max fund supporters ourselves. Uh, uh, I think we were all supporters even before we joined the, the network. Um, and at least for me, uh, I'm a big fan of the way that max fund provides a model where you have the option to, uh, in a, obviously we provide our content remains free, but a big part of it, the reason it's able to remain free is that we're, uh, that we have a donor supporting a listener supported model where you're able to uh, you're able to provide you're able to support the things that you like with money I guess <laughs> I did this very poorly but uh, and I, I went all over the place Dan back me up uh, on what what's the what are we talking about now I don't, which I, part I, of the ask is this uh, okay uh, so Dan would you say that supporting max fund shows like you do like I do like Stuart does it helps give us a sense of both belonging and ownership in a sense over what we listen to and a place in the max fund community that really feels like solid like we're supporting the people who give us so much to enjoy yeah I mean like look I'm a listener to these shows as well as being a, uh, a part of the max fund quote unquote family uh <laughs> And I say that because, Jesse, you're not my real dad, and you never will be. Mm-hmm. But he is dating your mom. <laughs> well, I'm a little uncomfortable with that since my <laughs> parents are still together after. Yeah, but they have an open relationship, right? Uh, um, I'm not so sure, but anyway, the point is. <laughs> but there's a chance. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he's leaving a crack. He pried it open. He's cracking that door open. Uh, yeah, I peeled back that shell a little bit. No, the point. What was I saying? Oh, I'm a listener. I like all of and the you shows. Fe- you I mean, feel like almost a part all of the Max Fund. You know who you, you are. Feel like a, you feel like a part of the Max Fund family. I do. And I like. Uh, look, here I've said this in previous drives. I'll say it again. For me, podcasts are one of my primary forms of entertainment these days. I uh, I listen to them on the subway going to work. I listen to them when around the house doing chores. There are frequent times when I'm like. Oh, do I want to watch any of these uh, television shows I've recorded on my DVR? You know what? I don't actually. I want to uh, have something vaguely on in the background while I listen to a podcast because I need two things happening at once to distract myself because I'm a modern person who has no attention span. But the, the Im- Dan. You're, you're, you're steering <laughs> off course. The important <laughs> thing is that I like podcasts, and podcasts are kind of my major source of uh, yeah. of entertainment these days. And I pay for things like, I don't know, Hulu, which I barely watch, I have around just in case like I miss a television show once, and I'm like, I want to go back and check it out, mm-hmm. uh, and that's like seven or eight dollars a month that I'm spending. Why not throw that money over to a podcast instead? Something that engages me directly, that I care about, that I have a very strong emotional connection to. Uh, mm-hmm. Support that. That's what I would have to say. Yeah, that's a much better version of what I was trying to say, Elliot. So it sounds like what you guys are saying is. It would be worth it for people to become members of Maximum Fun and donate at this year's Maximum Fun drive. Now, <laughs> Maximum Fun has a goal, and that goal is twenty-five thousand new and upgrading members. This is not a crazy goal. They have reached huge goals in the past. It's why Stuart did a podcast at the <coughs> Grand Canyon. 
Oh, yeah, I did that, didn't I? That was pretty crazy. That was incredibly Uh, crazy, yeah. So you have your chance to become a member just like them, or if you're already a member, to upgrade your membership. When you upgrade, you get special gifts. We'll talk about those later in the show. Stay tuned to hear what the gifts are. But you could could go as little as $5. You go as much as $200. Most people, it seems, go in the $10 to $20 to $35 range per month. And once again, pay what you have, what you can afford to. We're not asking you to go into hawk for this. But here's how you do it. You go to MaximumFun.org slash donate, uh, and that's a website. I don't mean It's not like a building called MaximumFun.org slash donate. It's go on your web browser and do that. I should have made that clear, and I apologize that I didn't. And you just select the membership level that you feel is worth it to you, the membership level you can afford. Again, we don't want you to get into trouble. Uh, and the membership level that you feel best reflects your love of Maximum Fun, I guess. You know, as a parent, <laughs> I try not to peg my love of my children to the money that I give them, but it's kind of hard not to in the world we live in. Uh-huh. Uh, you'll give your credit card information and some very basic information like which Max Fun shows you listen to. And that tells Max Fun who to give the money to, basically. So don't feel like Max Fun is like trying to spy on your listening habits. It's that they know it. You don't want your money going to some podcast you don't listen to. You want it to go to the love podcast you do listen to. Yeah. But really, they're all good ones. And then that's it. You just go to that website, MaximumFun.org slash donate, choose your membership level, put in your payment information and tell them what shows you listen to, and you're a member. And your membership contribution is ongoing. It'll process automatically every month. Uh, you don't have to do anything unless you decide to cancel at some point or your credit card expires, in which case you'll have to put in a new card number. But <laughs> it's super easy. We've all done it. And as you can tell from most of this episode, we're morons. And, we've been, <laughs> and we were able to figure it out. Uh, our circular rambling conversations, you can tell that like, if we can get our act together to go uh-huh. to this website, then you can too. Yeah, so I it's mean, your chance. Oh, sorry, you're going to say Stuart? I was just going to describe my brain as a booze-soaked piece of bread at this point. (laughs) (laughs) That's delicious. It sounds, does sound delicious, yeah. I mean, uh, and so you could do it right now. Like, we'll wait for you. I mean, you can also pause the podcast and do it right now. But I find that with this stuff, I put it on a to-do list. I never get around to it. Better to do it right now while it's in your brain. So, uh, well, you go to MaximumFun.org slash donate and become a MaxFun member, and we'll give you other chances during this episode. Uh, Dan and I and Stuart will talk about something you don't want to hear about so that you don't feel like you're missing anything. So, guys, uh-huh. let me tell you about changing a diaper this morning. Uh-huh. Okay. Oh, boy. <laughs> and the weird thing was, it was on yourself. <laughs> uh, maybe we should tell this story, actually, now that I think about it. Uh, well, we'll be back with more Max Fun Drive later in the episode. Your chance to make a difference in the lives of some lucky Maximum Fun podcast creator. What do we do next on this podcast, Dan? Yeah. Well, the next thing we do on this podcast is the main thing that we do on this podcast. Okay. The which meat is, of it, if which you part will, of it? unless you're a vegan, in which case you don't like me referring to the main thing as meat. Uh-huh. Then I so guess like a cauliflower the, the, steak or yeah, something. Yeah, let's call it the chickpea of the, cop, of the yeah, podcast. Yeah, the vegetables of the podcast. Uh, yeah. In England, they would call it the mains. No, uh-huh. that's that's good. With an S at the end of the uh-huh. podcast. Uh-huh. Uh, the, the entree. Okay, cool. <laughs> Stuart's getting frustrated. Okay. <laughs> no, I love it. <laughs> uh, we watch a bad movie, uh-huh. and then we talk about it. And this time around, we watch the Jennifer Garner revenge movie, uh-huh. Peppermint. Peppermint. Um. Uh, yeah, and, uh, let's just get into that, guys. Based on my earlier performance, you're probably quaking when I say, I'm gonna take the wheel. (laughs) 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 Yeah, well, you're on this train, you're trapped with me, the conductor, Stuart Wellington. Peppermint. We open with... (laughs) (laughs) Stuart Wellington summarizing joint. 
<laughs> we open on multiple production logos, uh, including a couple that I do not recognize at all. Um, we open on... Uh, this oh, is going to be very detailed, I suppose. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We, uh, we're, we open on uh, a nighttime scene over the city of Los Angeles, I'm assuming, and a car is rocking in the parking lot, and you're like, oh, is this, an, R- yeah, is this an R-rated movie? It is an R-rated movie. <laughs> um, but we get a little bit of a twist em up because there is no, uh, no couple in there, uh, you know, uh, sharing romantic affections. No, no, no. It is <laughs> very gentle. <laughs> it is uh, no, no, no. It is Jennifer Garner stabbing a dude with a knife, uh, and she's like, "Remember me?" or something. And then and tosses. What, kind of dude, what, is, what does this dude look like? Does he look like an, a like? Is he an accountant? Is he a police officer? Paint us a word picture about this dude because we we'll be seeing a lot of dudes like this dude. He looks like a kind of the your like cliched image of a like a Mexican gangster, you know, uh, face tattoos in old English script, uh, a mm-hmm. most I think a plaid shirt that's just buttoned at the top, that sort of thing, right? And he has, uh, he probably has a, a bandana. Lobos album under his arm. <laughs> uh, <laughs> so she stabs this dude and tosses him in the very large trunk of the car she was driving. Uh, and then we get uh, then we get some cool ass uh, uh, credits, right? Yeah, we see the city of Los Angeles in like jerky stop start uh, fast yeah, forward like motion. The shutters uh, having a problem, uh-huh. which is weird because yeah. cameras don't have shutters anymore, but. And it uh, and it's all tied. It's all wrapped up in a neat bow of some cool ass hard rockin' tunes, and a lot of footage of homeless people on LA's Skid Row. Now, I, I do want to say one thing earlier that the reason I wanted to emphasize what that tough guy looks like is that the bad guy in this, the bad guys in this movie have walked straight out of a like build the wall commercial. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, so get used to when when Stewart says your idea of a Mexican gangster. He's not being racist. The movie's being racist. So let's continue. Oh, there'll yeah. be a lot about how racist this movie is, but we'll 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 we'll, yeah. we'll get to it. Uh, so yeah, we then get uh, what we get a title card five years later or five years earlier, mm-hmm. not five years later. That would be crazy. The world will be <laughs> world will be a blasted uh, hellscape with RoboCops well, we, we battling predators see, all over the place. <laughs> we beef, we briefly see Jennifer Garner giving herself some. Old West Frontier First Aid, some pioneer medicine oh, in her yeah. battle van, where she's using duct tape and staples to to close her own wounds. Uh huh. Yeah, and she, uh, yeah, she just walks through this and like this tent city, this Skid Row, as they refer to it later, mm. uh, feels a little bit like I don't know, like it feels like something out of like an '80s movie, the way that like '80 or like '90s movies might portray any neighborhood in New York City. Like it kind of reminds me of when. Um, when Arnold Schwarzenegger jumps out of the movie screen in Last Action Hero and is walking around New York and there's like guys getting killed for shoes and stuff. Did you guys have that feeling? Yeah, I mean, the thing is Skid Row is like a re- is is a is a real major neighborhood in Los Angeles that is majority homeless population. I mean, it is it is the major homeless encampment in LA where homelessness is a serious problem. There are a lot of people who are had cannot afford basic housing and basing basic medical care, any of the basic education, anything like that. So it is like a real tent city like that. Okay. They do, so I'm just being incredibly do, insensitive and uninformed. So no, no, but, it, but in the movie, they do danger it up quite a bit. Yeah. And it seems the, the movie's version of skid. The, okay. So the movie's version of LA, here are the people who live in LA. There are suburban families. Uh-huh. There are gangbangers from South of the border and there are homeless children just looking for saviors. Mm-hmm. And, and there are also like, 
cops, and that's everybody who lives in Los Angeles, is either a suburban mom, a gangbanger, a homeless kid, or a cop. Yeah. And so, like, this seems to it's, – it's kind of like the uh, Beyond Thunderdome version of Skid Row where it's just, like, a lot of children wandering around and stuff like that. And it, but again, but Skid Row it is a it is a real place and a real problem. Mm-hmm. Now, when they named it Skid Row, did they think possibly that they shouldn't have named it Skid Row because then it would become Skid Row? Well, they named it after the band. Oh, okay, uh-huh. I get you. Yeah, 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 yeah. Because it was filled with youth gone wild. All right, mm-hmm. fair enough. Yeah, exactly. As seen in the movie, all doing the rattlesnake shake. Um. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, we flash back. No, wait, is the rattlesnake shake what McDonald's serves when they don't have the shamrock <laughs> shake on the menu? <laughs> Yeah, yeah, yeah. They, like, they, they they grab a rattlesnake out of their rattlesnake tub. Yeah. They start milking that venom right <laughs> like, your shake. They give it to you. They say, we advise you to throw this away immediately. <laughs> Do not drink it. <laughs> or throw die. it into the face of your enemies yeah. if they're lactose intolerant. It's like when uh, when they stopped serving the McRib and they started serving the McShiv, which uh-huh. has a blade that pops out once you once you bite into it. Very uh-huh. dangerous. Like uh, like that pair of boots I was Googling on the internet for possible purchase. <laughs> <laughs> Wait, in case you met a crocodile Dundee or something? Like, what, why yeah, do you, why do you or in you, case I had to like, boots? in case I was wanting to make an audition tape for me to play the tarantula in the next Spider-Man movie. <laughs> <laughs> I, I would love it if that was their next thought. They're like, what villain should we go to next? tarantula of course <laughs> but you could also use that to climb up walls right you just like stick the blade into the side of a brick building or something oh yeah i mean i've been watching a lot of the rocks uh titan games television show and one of their key uh-huh. obstacles is a uh like a fake brick wall where you have to punch through the drywall to climb up it you have to make your own <laughs> holes it's pretty cool <laughs> Um, usable skills. Okay, so five years earlier. Five so years earlier, ahead. and we see our our hero, Jennifer Garner, playing the character Riley North, which is odd that the woman whose last name is North is fighting uh, Mexican people. That feels racist, but... Oh, yeah. Um, so, this movie is... It's, it is subtle. It's all the subtlety of a political cartoon where everyone has big labels drawn on them uh-huh. to explain what they're doing. Yep. And, uh, yeah, and, yeah, I don't want to get into that. Um, so Jennifer Garner is now, uh, back then she was a, like a, like a soccer mom type. She is hanging out with her daughter selling Girl Scout cookies. Uh, she has a brief encounter with a rival Girl Scout cookie mom who is clearly the, like, queen bee type. Uh, they argue quite a bit. Um, we find out that it's her daughter's birthday, which is, that's a weird way to spend your birthday being forced to sell cookies, but whatever, maybe, you know, they gotta, gotta sell those cookies, gotta keep greasing the wheels of industry. Um, and their, and their family is having money trouble. It's not like they can afford to not sell cookies every day. Yeah. We, uh, we see that she has to rush off to work. She ends up having to work late, even though it's her daughter's birthday. Uh, her boss at the bank is incredibly unsympathetic to this situation. Um, we also see her husband, who I don't, I could never find his name, which it do, turns out it doesn't matter. He doesn't last very long in the movie. <laughs> um, who is working as a mechanic. And I feel like this is one of those things where movies have a tendency to underestimate the, uh, like, how lucrative it is to be a trained like a mechanic or yeah, a plumber or, or something. Yeah. It's like, I'm never going to get out of this. It's like, you shouldn't. It's a good job. It pays well. Yeah. <laughs> A tradesman these days is, is not, not somebody to be sneezed at. Um, Unless their trade is sneeze catching. Yeah, and then they would appreciate your business. Go mm-hmm. sneeze at your local sneeze catcher today. Like Support it, mom and sne- pop sneeze catchers. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, at, at, a Max, at Max Sneeze Drive. That's a, that's a special thing. 
The, so sneeze catchers, they're getting it coming in and coming out because they you pay them to catch your sneeze, and then they turn around and they sell that sneeze to the Chinese as raw material. So it's like they're make, they're getting paid both ways. Yeah, both it's ways. It's such a good deal. Uh-huh. So uh, and uh, and the other thing is like movies always assume that if you have a blue collar job, you are one step away from crime. Uh-huh. That like not only is it not lucrative and you can't support a family on it, but everyone you interact with is probably partly a criminal and you're on the edge of becoming a criminal too, which I don't – like most of the people I know who commit crimes are white-collar criminals. So maybe <laughs> that's just the people I spend time with. My friend Lex, he's a Luther, and uh, some of the other guys that I know. But the blue-collar people I know, they don't commit crimes as much. Do you think – I mean do you just think it's a basic idea of like – uh, most people feel divorced enough from the people who do jobs for them, who like do service jobs for them, that they just assume that they operate on the same level as the streets or something. I don't know. Maybe I think it's I think it's a side benefit a benefit. I think it's a side effect, <laughs> not a benefit. It's a bad thing. I think it's a side effect of uh, an entertainment industry that is mostly made up of people who could afford to go to film school or who grew up in the entertainment industry. Like yeah. I've, I've been very like, and I have done very, I've been very lucky in my career and in my life, but I'll look at like screenwriters or directors that I'm interested in. I'm like, I wonder how they got where they are. Oh, their parents were in the entertainment industry. Like yeah. it's a, it's, it's, it's a not again, guys, why are we getting so political? But there's all this income inequality. And yeah. it means that the people who would do stuff like this are pretty separated from the people who do stuff like fixing cars. <clears throat> and so they assume that if you basically that, if you wear a jumpsuit underneath that jumpsuit is like, uh, prison uniform or something like that. Uh, you know, a second yeah. jumpsuit stripes of a different color. Yeah, uh, and we also I guess find they're out, both jumpsuits. You're right, yeah. Dan. So we also find out in the movie that it's apparently Christmas time. Uh, these are little bits of information to help build this whole world to make it more believable. <laughs> um, yeah, this takes place in a world where Christmas exists. So, so uh, we we see her. Uh, we see her husband, Jennifer Garner's husband, Riley's husband. Uh, uh, he goes by a lot of labels. Um, he he meets a friend, Mickey, whose name I remember, uh, or Nikki, one of the two, and he <laughs> uh, they're apparently planning to rob the most notorious drug lord in Los Angeles, um, and it's the only way he can get out of this dead-end job of fixing cars, and... Uh, I mean, I don't know what kind of life he lives. Maybe he lives far beyond his means. Who knows? They have a very, they have a nice looking house. Um, but, uh, they, so, and the, and hus- they can afford to go to the Christmas carnival. Yeah. The husband and- is like not completely on board, but he does like the idea of making a little bit extra money. So, uh, we then cut a few hours later. Nobody showed up for the daughter's birthday party because they were all at a last-minute holiday party thrown by the rival uh, Girl Scout mom. Peggy, I think, is her name. And Jennifer Garner comes home. They commiserate with their daughter a little bit. And we we know that Peggy, the rival Girl Scout mom, is evil and rich because she is blonde and her daughter is blonde. Uh And they have matching outfits. Yes, yeah. (laughs) <laughs> the you know, uh, uh, who has the money for matching outfits <laughs> is evil. When ironically, if their outfits were matching, it would make me think more that they were made at home by their grandma. <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> like I only know one pattern; I can do it in different sizes. Uh, people will just assume we're rich. It's okay. The uh, my favorite moment in this scene is where Jennifer Garner's trying to make lemonade out of lemons here. 
and she suggests that they go out for pizza. And the look on the dad's face when she says pizza, he's so excited. <laughs> like he hasn't he hasn't had a sniff of pizza in weeks. <laughs> it makes you suspect well, so that the dad had called the, the other mom and been like, all right, set up a, a, a conflicting party <laughs> to make my daughter sad. And then maybe I can get some pizza out of this deal. He's like, she, she's got me. Riley's got me on this bullshit gluten-free diet. I haven't had pizza in a month. The only mm-hmm. way we're going to do it is a code red catastrophe. So <laughs> you need to ruin my daughter's birthday so that I can finally get some pepperonis in my mouth. Uh-huh. Code red catastrophe was a, uh, a a rejected Mountain Dew variety name. Um. <laughs> <laughs> it was somebody like they take a sip of Mountain Dew and then like like a hurricane destroys the town or something like that. <laughs> <laughs> and someone goes, oh, there's a lot of energy. Yeah, I mean, that's a, a decent punch. that's a decent commercial pitch. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> so, so our hero and her Let family. Let me just say, guys, here's the interesting thing about Mountain Dew. Uh-huh. Mountain Dew, as you all know, when it was first released, was a hillbilly-themed drink. That's why it's called Mountain Dew, uh-huh. because it was supposed to be like moonshine. And it has become an extreme sports type thing. But really, isn't the most extreme sport living the hillbilly lifestyle? I mean, I think, <laughs> I think various television shows have pitched that idea to us, <laughs> including award-winning Ozark. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, there's nobody who lives more on the edge than uh, your Hill Williamses, And so I think Mountain Dew has been pretty true to its core concept, which is, drink this, it'll hurt you probably. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, <laughs> yeah it'll, it'll help you get over the pain of your extreme sports injuries. Uh so we, our hero and her family go well, actually, to the Dan, Christmas did you, when carnival. When you tore your ACL, did the doctor prescribe Mountain Dew to you? Uh, yes, but only topically. Yeah, I had to <laughs> <Okay>. rub it <laughs> in. <laughs> yeah. Okay, so uh, see what you're saying. Yeah, and, and how did that affect uh, your coat, your pelt? <laughs> My pelt? <laughs> oh, it was shiny and lustrous. Oh, lovely. Um, <laughs> so our heroes go to the, uh, the Christmas carnival. They get ice cream and they order... Uh, uh, two orders of Rocky Road and one order of Peppermint. Yep. That's right. <laughs> that's we the, got title. That's the one reason it's called Peppermint. <laughs> uh, is it ever referred to again after this point? I don't. That's a big no. Okay. Yeah. Cool. <laughs> Jennifer Garner, not, as an avenging angel, it does not come to be known as Peppermint. Uh huh. No, and I was waiting for the moment when she like would refer to the Peppermint ice cream as like that's that's the detail that sticks in my mind. Uh-huh. Peppermint. Uh-huh. She wanted peppermint ice cream. She was. She was still. She never had peppermint ice cream before that. She wanted something new. She had her whole life ahead of her, doing new things, trying things. Yeah. She was so open to the world, my uh-huh. daughter. And you had to do what you did. Well, I hope the last thing that you remember, as this bullet goes through your face, because she shoots a lot of people in the face in this movie, uh-huh. is the sweet taste of peppermint ice cream. <laughs> <laughs> and then it turns out it's an ad for peppermint ice cream. Uh-huh. The whole movie. Yeah. She goes. She turns. New subsidized by the dryers industry. Yeah. <laughs> The uh yeah, do you think I mean do you think there was a scene that was deleted where she bumps into a like a humble ice cream vendor and uh she you know reluctantly buys some ice cream and the vendor's like, What flavor would you like? I have plenty of peppermint and her eyes light up. <laughs> a light up like she loves peppermint. <laughs> she was, yeah, yeah. Because because when her daughter died, she took the ice cream and ate it and was like, oh, I've never had peppermint ice cream before. This is good ice cream. Yeah, yeah. I guess this is the silver lining. Uh-huh. I've learned now, to like guys, peppermint. Dan, you're a you're a cook. You like uh-huh. to make food. Uh, I thought you were going to be like, you're a dad. I'm like, no, I'm not. I don't understand <laughs> where you got that idea. <laughs> you're like, Dan, you're a dad. Would you enjoy your children being taken from you this way? <laughs> no, of course not. Uh, so, Dan, what is it about the combination of pepper and mint? Is it the freshness of mint and the spiciness of mm. pepper? 
Mm, I see uh, where you, as a uh, person who does not enjoy a lot of, uh, let's say, say, yeah, foods, may have gotten confused here. You see, Mm -hmm. uh, it's not... uh, (laughs) Peppermint is a type of mint, so... Mint is not yeah, a you separate. Mint, you put th- no, 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 no. You don't. It's not. You don't put a pepper it, with it. Is or it you like don't put cracked ground pepper? pepper on it? Yeah, no, yeah. You cracked black pepper. There's spearmint and there's peppermint, and I believe there are other kinds of mint. So spearmint is when you put a mint on a spear. Uh, no, again, they're just t- they're just different uh, plants, different varieties of the same plant family. They, okay. all, they have the same uh, minty flavor we've uh-huh. grown to know and love. And what's gum a, and uh, tea and, and what's a, toothpaste. ice cream toothpaste? <laughs> and what's a Franklin mint? <laughs> that is, <laughs> well, that's a scam <laughs> trying to make people think that you can make money off of commemorative uh, cool, cool. Oh, that's items. Um, what about a what about a Dan Mintz? Dan Mintz, uh, I yeah. believe he plays Tina on Bob's Burgers. <laughs> oh, and he's also part of that same plant family? Uh, well, maybe. I've never met the man personally, but mm-hmm. uh, I hope this has helped. And what about a mince pie? <laughs> okay, well, that's uh, <laughs> it's usually a combination of uh, meat and like raisins. Uh-huh. Uh, and what well, about, what about a- mint? What about what? Minty Mouse? Mm-hmm. <laughs> that's or a, Christopher Mince Platt's. Mickey Mouse's girlfriend, uh, Minnie Mouse, I think. Dan, you don't have to put labels on it. Okay. Mickey and Minnie don't. Mickey and Minty don't believe in labels. <laughs> right. They have an open relationship, like my parents, apparently, according to <laughs> Jesse Thorne. So Dan, this isn't how I wanted you to find out that Jesse is the is the unicorn in your debt in your parents' marriage. So yeah. while our heroes are having a chow down party on some ice creams, mm-hmm. uh, we cut across Christmas town. Table. We cross town to. Uh, the villain of the movie, uh, Garcia the Guillotine, a yeah. uh, uh, a vicious drug lord who has Diego Garcia yep. El Guillotine, yep. call him or Guillotine. What, I don't know how they pronounce it. Who is uh, who has the potential accomplice of uh, Jennifer Garner's character's husband tied up and beaten up, and there, he's surrounded by uh, this guy's uh, henchmen. As well as uh, a really cool skeleton statue that has a uh, has a scythe. Uh, if you are a fan of that type of a statue, get ready. There's a couple more in this movie. Uh, if you liked the uh, the uh, El- the Sicario sequel posters, uh-huh. which were huge bulletin boards, uh, billboards all over L.A. of a sort of a assassin skeleton. Yeah. And I was just so glad that my son was not old enough to really take an interest and be frightened by it uh-huh. because. That is good nightmare fuel for a child. Yeah. Just a 50-foot-tall skeleton assassin. Yeah. Uh, and he looks, and he's got his, like, arms outstretched with guns like he's Reaper doing the Death Blossom ultimate move. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Uh, <laughs> so Or or, uh, or Ollie G in the posters for the Ollie G movie that mm-hmm. I saw when I went to London years ago before that TV show had come to the United States, and I was like, what is this stupid thing everywhere? <laughs> everywhere. And luckily, you and did they, a complete uh, reversal on your opinion of that thing, right? Oh, sure. Well, my first experience of Ali G was seeing the trailer for that movie before another movie in a British movie theater. And I was like, this is the dumbest movie I've ever seen a trailer for. Almost the entire trailer was about him waking up to find his dog is giving him a Mm blowjob and being okay with it. Mm -hmm. And I Mm -hmm. was like, I'm never Uh seeing anything Uh this man makes. Mm -hmm. Uh Uh-huh. And... Uh (laughs) <laughs> flash forward, flash forward to when a little movie called Borat came out uh-huh. and I watched it and I laughed and then felt really bad about laughing. 
So we are back in the movie, guys. Uh, <laughs> Garcia says, you are going to steal from me, which makes the audience wonder, why were they going to steal from this guy? That seems crazy. Yeah. So he then pulls out a super cool looking kukri knife and chops the dude's head off and blood sprays okay. all over that cool ceremonial statue. And something you should mention is that the dad had already called his friend and said, hey, you know what? I don't want to do it. I changed my mind. My family yeah. is too important. I don't want to risk it. But Diego Garcia is irritated that the guy just had the very thought of stealing from him. Yeah. Even if he didn't go through with it. This and does is, he even know that, like, did they mention that he, that Garcia had read the, uh, had heard the voicemail or no? Because it feels like everybody, con- in this movie, everybody constantly knows all of the possible information. Nobody is surprised I, in this movie. I think we're supposed to assume that Mickey ratted out, that they tortured him and he ratted out uh, untitled, unnamed husband of Riley North. Mm-hmm. Uh, but it's also... It, uh, the characters just know stuff that the movie needs them to know. It's like the characters will wander around like morons, and then it's like the movie needs you to know this thing. It's time for you to know it. And they'll just wake up with that information in their head as if through some sort of Gnostic meditation they have somehow achieved you know, inner yeah. inner information from the universe. Uh-huh. You know? uh, so the uh, – yeah, so he says, oh, he was even going to consider stealing from me, make a big uh, – send a big message. So he sends a trio of guys in a car uh, with Uzis to drive by them at the, uh, at the Christmas carnival and shoot them full of bullets uh, from their Uzis. Uh, killing uh, Jennifer Garner's family and hitting her in the head, I guess, with a bullet. Yeah, she goes into a coma, uh-huh. and a mm. police detective visits her and says, we all know Diego Garcia did it, but nobody will testify. And Jennifer Garner then flashes back to what we just saw one scene earlier of her family being gunned down. And it was yeah. like, movie, did you think we forgot? Like, is that in case people thought somebody who bought a ticket thinking this was a violent movie was like, oh, I guess it's a Christmas carnival movie. I'll go use the bathroom now and miss that scene. Like, well, but it, it's it also weird. It's also her like he's like, you know, no one will like no witnesses will testify. And it's her being like, I'll testify because I saw it. And this is the point where I'm like, bullshit, bullshit movie at the best of times, at the best of times. Eyewitness testimony is mostly bullshit. Like, it's mostly bunk. Like, people are not good at being eyewitnesses. But this is Jennifer Garner, who saw these uh, gang members driving past in a car from several feet away uh, and got shot herself. In the head. In the head. Yeah. She's not going to be able to identify these people, but she identifies them with crack accuracy. Well, it also helps that... When they do, he brings her in to do a lineup for all the guys, and they do Wait, three different- Wait, let me different- just say real quick, Dan, nice job doing the evil pro- the evil defendant's job for him, <laughs> since the evil defense lawyer makes basically the same argument well, at the he's arraignment. he's right, though. Like, there's no, like- Oh, yeah, let's, hey, get that, let's get that sound clip on down. Yeah, check out my cousin Vinny over here making the big case. Uh, so, Stuart, they go to the lineup. They go to the lineup. Re- Each batch of lineups, are, it's, it's silly, because they'll bring out five guys- and one guy in each batch who is the culprit has very obvious face tattoos. Mm-hmm. No one else has a tattoo, but they pick out, they only have those guys. So yeah. that's what I was going to say, Dan, is that it's a little <coughs> easier when they have pre-marked themselves with identifying tattoos on their face. And just as 
with zebras. No two zebras have the same stripe pattern. And that's, no two tigers have the same stripe pattern. No two fictional gangbangers have the same tattoo Clearly pattern. a failing and, of the police department for not finding other lineup members who have tattoos. <laughs> wow. Wow. Check out uh, Mr. American Civil Liberties McCoy over here. So we, now, we I just wanted we, to spell the myth of the reliable eyewitness. That's all. That's the most important that, thing that this podcast can do. <laughs> Dan this started this podcast, podcast twelve years ago, hoping for an opportunity to get across the idea that eyewitness testimony is not reliable, <laughs> which it's not. That's true. Uh, you can only have to, it's it's one of those funny things where it's like if I was a defense attorney, they'd be like, "We have eyewitnesses who put your your uh, client at the scene," and I'd say, "Hey." Have you ever read a Berenstein Bears joke? A Berenstein Bears book? Yeah, yeah, I love the Berenstein Bears. Uh, then perhaps you'd really know they're actually the Berenstain Bears, and the jury's mind would be blown. <laughs> and they'd be like, what, mm-hmm. what, what? And I'd say, Exhibit A, Berenstain Bears <laughs> yeah. from 1982. <laughs> That's right, you all remembered it wrong. So how can we believe that this eyewitness is reliable when your own memories of your favorite vaguely conservative bear family are not reliable? <laughs> I rest my case, and the judge would be like, whoa. Is is everything a lie? Uh-huh. Can I trust my own brain? And people would just be like sawing their heads open to pull their brains out because yeah. so they, they felt betrayed. And my client, in the ensuing chaos, I would just slip him some money to, to disappear. <laughs> oh wow, yeah, that's. Uh, <laughs> I like this. Uh, I like this humble uh, small town lawyer uh, screenplay <laughs> yeah. you're working on. Um, yeah, it's called uh, the Berenstain Lawyer. <laughs> So we get uh, we get a little bit of an info dump at this point while Detective Carmichael, our hero detective, and his partner, Detective uh, something else whose name I don't remember. I couldn't get his name either. So his uh, the partner who seems to be acting kind of shady throughout the whole movie, but that's just a big uh, twist him up later on. Uh, we get a bit of an info dump about uh, about Garcia the guillotine and how he's the most notorious gangster in the city, and that he even has uh, he even has people in the police department working for him. And uh, so the partner says to Carmichael, "You better let this go. Like this is dangerous. Mm-hmm. You're playing with fire, and you might get burned." And Carmichael, who kind of looks like a like Ike Barinholtz, uh, like Ike Barinholtz's like stand in. Yeah, like, Spike Barinholtz. Yeah, yeah Spike. he's the he's the kind of like if you saw the terrible uh, Aaron Sorkin show, The Newsroom, which I did because uh-huh. it was like most late period Aaron Sorkin, it was enjoyable to watch uh, and be angry at. Um, he was the like doofy kind of like love interesty guy, and he's very baby faced. But they try and make him not baby faced by giving him a, a big bushy mustache and some uh, some stubble in the yeah. movie. Dan, now I just imagine you going to see To Kill a Mockingbird on Broadway, and you're just like you're hate watching it because it's Aaron Sorkin. You're like, and you're just a bit loudly this going was, like, as yeah. if, and you're like live tweeting your snark about yeah. it. I, I mean, like, this there's was reason- so expensive. Why did I do this? And there's reason to hate that production because they've been uh, they've been going around like for uh, sending people cease and desist orders to sh- halt their own productions of To Kill that's a Mockingbird. That's true. They have, they have been shutting down uh, school versions of To Kill a Mockingbird <laughs> community productions. But that's not Aaron Sorkin's fault. That's You don't uh, think he's pulling the strings? That's true. <laughs> that's true. Uh, sinister puppet master Aaron Sorkin. Mm-hmm. Uh, so let me – I want to say one thing again about these 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 thugs that have been – that uh, she has – that Garner has eyewitnessed. They are so cartoonishly thuggish. Yeah, yeah, like, yeah. They are just so over the toply, like 
non-human and just mean and angry uh-huh. and also and we uh we'll get to later when they actually have their headquarters are literally in a piñata factory uh-huh. yeah. but uh the uh but so they they there's a there's what an arraignment uh-huh. and uh Dan McCoy super defense attorney he gets Jennifer Garner's testimony basically thrown into doubt and Jennifer Garner has the, the judge says there'll be no trial here, and Jennifer Garner has an outburst and tries to attack the attackers yep. and gets tased and sentenced to be thrown in a mental hospital. Uh-huh. <laughs> and this <laughs> and is the after she sits there laughing. Uh, like I don't know if that's the way it, it works too. Like just like take her away to a mental hospital, boys. But I'm not. It is sure. so crazy that the judge is just like mm, based on this. Th- I mean, you could if some if uh, if a witness decided to try to assault. Uh, a suspect, even if the suspect hadn't just been let loose by this crazy judge, uh-huh. that would still be a crime. Yeah. But the idea that he's just like, "You're crazy. Take her to the booby hatch. <laughs> like, get this, get this lady out of here. Like, is nuts." Yeah, it's uh, and this is after like sh- we see that she's kind of pushed to the breaking point at this point. Obviously, like she lost her family. We're, there's a little scene where we find out that she has lost her house and is being evicted. This idyllic middle class life that she had can so quickly be snatched from her mm-hmm. by uh, that, forces outside of her control. And that they were so struggling for. You know what? They were struggling. They were they're, they were forgotten by uh, the community at large. And now they're being stepped on by this institutional system that is so totally stacked against and middle the, class white people. And the the even even the the evil lawyer had showed up to her house uh and tried to pay her off and I feel like the amount of money he was trying to give her was more than her husband would have stolen. Also, <laughs> yeah, we didn't really address that like Well, also there oh, was, was a giant publisher's clearinghouse check for 3 million dollars. <laughs> yeah. I was like I was like maybe she should have mentioned at some point uh hey, that guy who's defending the the criminals uh, literally came to my house with a big stack of money. Mm-hmm. Like the guy who's mm-hmm. lit, like, not the relevant same person. <laughs> I'm sure she did. And the judge said, oh, yeah, overruled. Yeah. Irre- that's hearsay. She's like, it's not hearsay. It happened. I was right there. So, uh, she- well, <laughs> you have a, you're an eyewitness. Well, we have an argument against that. Dan McCoy, come on out and explain why she's wrong. <laughs> Uh, so they, they throw her in, uh, after she, you know, she's, she's been tased. Uh, she watched the villains cackle at her as she's dragged off. She's put in the back of a ambulance. She then breaks free by attacking the detective who I guess was trying to save her. Uh, uh-huh. and he, he, she hits him in the head and she runs off and it felt like for a moment, the ambulance workers looked at the detective and were like, well, our orders were to take somebody to the mental <laughs> hospital. Yeah. But this is also like a very like zero to 60 moment where it's like she was a bereaved housewife moments before. Mm-hmm. And then suddenly she turns in like suddenly her response to being taken to a mental hospital is to like kick her way out of an ambulance. Well, which- it's that moment. It's the moment when like someone goes, it's she, she basically <sighs> has that Wolverine moment yeah. where she's like, I'm a person. I'm a person. No, now I'm so mad I'm reverting to the savage animal inside me. Yeah. And it gives her super mm-hmm. strength and also super animal cunning to figure out how to escape and get away. And, and I feel like the, to show- the most appropriate animal to tap into at this point is a crow, because this movie is basically lifting the plot of the crow. <laughs> <laughs> uh, the it, it's It just goes to show that within every one of us is a beast just waiting to be let out. Mm-hmm. Which, which My be- beast is is named is named Gringor. Uh huh. Okay. Okay. 
Yeah, and, and he's like he's like kind of a cuddly, you know, like cuddly, cuddly teddy bear. Uh-huh. Uh, but he also is very good with macrame, uh-huh. crocheting. Okay, he's just very crafty. So uh-huh. Gringor is a very crafty beast, and that's what's inside of me, and otherwise very violent and like hostile person. <laughs> oh, okay. But inside, I have this really sweet, <laughs> oh, okay. cuddly, crafty animal. Oh, cool. Okay, well, tap into that guy some more. Um, so we then flash <laughs> forward to present day. <laughs> Uh, the uh, Detective Carmichael looks exactly the same, and he and his partner, who are still partners, are uh, uh, go to the scene of a crime at the Christmas Carnival, of course. Uh, mm-hmm. where the they, same Christmas Carnival. And what do they find hanging from the Ferris wheel? Yep, we see uh, three gangsters, the three uh, defendants, uh, the, the three guys who killed her family are hung upside down from the Ferris wheel. And Which, which le- it leads me to ask the question, so did she climb up the Ferris wheel dragging those bodies, or did she no, turn the no, Ferris yeah. wheel on and nobody noticed? Yeah, I mean, you you tie them and then you turn it. That's how it works. I getcha, I getcha. Uh, yeah, and this is like, this... Are you saying there should have been a scene where she's comically trying to climb up the thing and they keep falling and she's like, oh, no. <laughs> oh, man. And then the the and the, the carny folk who are down at the bottom are just like, just turn turn the wheel so it gets to just time on the ground and then turn it. And she's like, I didn't have the key. You just had to ask us. Just mm-hmm. ask us to use the key. People use this this Ferris wheel for revenge all the time. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So I was watching this. uh this uh, movie with with my friend and like both of us this 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 scene points us points up the biggest problem that we both had with the movie. Wait, Dan, I I asked if you wanted to watch it with me and you said you couldn't watch it. So you have another friend that you watch movies with? Uh, <laughs> um, uh, <laughs> so the podcast is canceled. I thought you told me I'm that gonna... you like to watch movies by yourself now in a dark room so that you have no distractions. What's going on, Dan? Uh, um. <laughs> Can I just make my point about the movie? <laughs> yeah, okay. Dan, you, Dan, you told me that in order to better enhance you, the inner you, you were cutting yourself all from, off from all human contact, mm-hmm. except for every two weeks to record this podcast. Yeah, no, I live in a sensory deprivation tank now. Mm-hmm. And, a sensory uh, deprivation tank? <laughs> I, I, yeah, yeah. I live in a sensual deprivation That's how Ra's al Ghul <laughs> stays alive forever. <laughs> it's, just, it's, it's, just, it's just me floating in a bunch of lube. <laughs> I, yeah, I, I, I'm in a, I, I, uh, I spent many years in a sexual deprivation tank from roughly the ages 16 to 24, I think. Mm, thanks for being specific. Where I was deprived of sexuality. Okay, well, uh, anyway, no, let me, I, you're, Alex, pulling up his notes as if I <laughs> had ever gotten a point. You to made your my... point. You have another friend. We get <laughs> no, it. No, yeah. that's not you're it. You're not a peppermint. We understand. You don't, no. we, we don't need to check the receipts, Dan. You have friends. It's, okay. it's that this movie... <laughs> This movie cuts out the most interesting shit. Uh-huh. For instance, it cut the entire part where she learns how to be like not just a normal lady, but a super ninja assassin. And but we also like in these movies, no one expects her killing the people that actually killed her family to be the final boss. Mm-hmm. Like that is not the the last people that uh you kill in a revenge movie you kill the like people who uh, ordered the hit in the first place yeah but you usually have a satisfying moment where you see the actual like killing of the killers uh-huh. i thought we saw that right at the very beginning of the movie here we skip to just them being strung up on a on a on a ferris wheel mm-hmm. and it's like well what what execution are we doing here? style why are we i'm just uh, i'm just we disappointed we never 
revenge movie. We never saw her kill that sacred deer. Mm-hmm. Uh, I mean, I don't know. I'm not movie, a big, right? I'm not a big Yorgos Lantimos fan. Um, so we, uh, so, oh, Dan, so one other thing that you, that you mentioned is we learn also that she, what she did was she robbed a bank uh-huh. then traveled the world, becoming an assassin off yep. camera and then came back for her revenge. How do you guys think she decided it was time to get the revenge? Cause it's been five years. I mean, I feel like she was looking at, uh, she started her process of becoming a killing machine, honing her body, perfecting her brain, et cetera. And she looked at her calendar and she's like, when would be a good uh, anniversary? And I think five years makes sense. And I'm glad that she timed it pretty well. Oh, that is the revenge anniversary. I guess that's yeah. true. Five years is revenge. Mm-hmm. 10 years is uh, forgiveness. 15 years is up. The forgiveness was a trick. Actually, it's double revenge. Yeah. Uh-huh. Who did you? Uh, what did you get for Danielle for your five year anniversary? Revenge anniversary. Revenge. Uh-huh. I, I said. Cool. I said. You write got a, a DVD a copy of, of Revenge. Uh, yeah, I got. I said write a name on a piece of paper. I won't ask any questions. That person is taken care of. If you know what I mean. Mm-hmm. And she wrote down uh, her best friend's name. Oh, I that's was like, crazy! Oh, I'm surprised. And I and I took care of her best friend, if you know what I mean. Mm-hmm. And then she came back, she goes, so what did you do that was nice to take care of my best friend? Uh-huh. I was like, I w- and I was like, uh-oh, oh boy. Yep. <laughs> Elliot looked at the name, put his hands over his face, and he morphed into a different person, like a faceless man. <laughs> yeah. The, here's something that I always wonder about uh, mob bosses, uh-huh. is whether it becomes difficult for the people they work with to figure out exactly what they're saying when they're like, make sure... Silvio leaves a leads a long happy life. Mm-hmm. You got it, boss. <laughs> like they never really know if he actually means that sarcastically or not. I I and feel so, like this was a bit in like uh in like that what mafia or whatever the fuck movie that was. Jane like, Austen's yeah, mafia, Jane Austen's the, mafia. The, yeah, that feels like something straight out of there. The only bit I remember from that movie is when. Uh, Lloyd Bridges's aged mob boss character is being shot with a machine gun mm-hmm. in a herky-jerky way that makes it so that he starts doing the Macarena and everyone <laughs> oh, cool. thinks he's dancing. Yeah, that's going to last <laughs> forever. Seeing that in the theater and being like, what the hell am I watching? <laughs> <laughs> All right, where are we in this movie? Uh, okay, so, so we she, find out that the so FBI gets, has she, a file on her. And that we get this huge amount of information about all of her adventures and backstory. Mm-hmm. Uh, her adventures in babysitting. Uh-huh. Yeah. And how she has, uh, you know, she's been traveling the world. She's become a, an MMA fighter. She has robbed a bunch of guns recently from a gun store and picked out exactly the perfect guns to use. Um, and so we get all this information uh, she is a fully formed killing machine at this point in the movie. Mm-hmm. Yes. And so she goes on her rampage. She blows up the judge who let the bad guys go off camera. She kills the, what the DA, you know, she's, or the, the defense attorney or whatever. She kills uh, both of them, I think. And then we, yeah, we cut to her torturing the judge who so quickly dismissed her case. Her, she's demanding that he just tell her her name. All he has to do is remember her name which uh, was then echoed in a recent Saturday Night Live sketch. Um, the uh, It doesn't work. She steals a toy, blows up the judge, uh, and then gives the toy she stole from a judge uh, to a kid she meets on the bus, which makes it the perfect crime. And, <laughs> and that leads to my favorite line in the whole movie, uh-huh. uh, where she so the kid on the bus has this deadbeat drunk dad, and she threatens the deadbeat drunk dad at gunpoint and says, you be a better dad take this kid to buy some presents. But before that, the dad, as they're walking off the bus, he says to his kid, who gave you that shitty toy? (laughs) 
and it's like so unnecessarily mean. Uh, <laughs> like, there's no reason for him to notice it. There's no reason for him to disparage it. Just who gave who gave you that shitty toy? My my reaction to this film, this scene in the film, by the way, was like, all right, so like. We're only a couple of kills in, but we've already got mission creep on the behalf of Jennifer Garner. <laughs> now she's just avenging random kids on the on the on the bus. But mm-hmm. also, like, best case, like there are two scenarios that happen here after she threatens his dad. Like, either she threatens him and then he immediately backslides as soon as she's out of sight, which is the most likely thing. Almost that happened. certainly, mm-hmm. almost certainly. Or he just pretends to love his kid for the rest of his life because he's afraid of Jennifer Garner. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah. Or, or he calls the police and said a crazy lady put a gun <laughs> exactly. in my face in a liquor store, and they said, "Oh, did it look like Jennifer Garner? Yeah, it did. Oh, that's Riley North. She's a one-woman killing machine. You better yeah. watch out, yep. dude. Don't post anything so, on social media because people will trash you." <laughs> We also learned that Diego's in trouble with the cartel. Uh-huh. He lost a couple of shipments of drugs, mm-hmm. and they and and uh, we they and now she he's worried. Now he really ha- it's as if it wasn't enough that Riley wants to kill him. Now he really has a motivation. Yeah, to and we know we know it's a uh, the meeting he has with his cartel boss. We know it's a drug lab because it's full of people in their underpants packing drugs, New Jack City style. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Uh, And of course he has more of those super cool skeleton statues holding sides. Now cut to, we got our first real big set piece in the movie, which is Jennifer Garner breaks into the gang headquarters, which as we mentioned earlier is a pinata factory, which is a little (laughs) on the nose. I guess. (laughs) Like, I mean, the one thing this movie doesn't do is they don't have a shootout at a quinceanera celebration. So I guess we should be thankful for that. Uh, and she has a blanket draped over her like she's some kind of low budget Jedi. Uh-huh. Uh, and there's a there's a news report about her rampage. She's shooting all these guys. She loves to shoot people in the face. She gets caught while she's in there, and she fights her way through everybody. She has this kind of infinite ammo, military grade shotgun uh-huh. that just keeps firing, and it hurls people backwards. And I'll say, uh, I think I think at this point, like the action sequences aren't bad. Like they're, they, they're readable. They have a like, they have some stakes. They're not, I think they're pretty good. Oh yeah. They're not terrible action sequences. Everything about the movie otherwise is yes. it's like the context they're in is terrible. Yes, of course. Yeah. But, uh, I would so, like, uh, yep. I would just like to say uh, something about the pinata factory. Like, mm-hmm. yep. like, <laughs> yep. Go on, Dan. No, I just I, uh-huh. I want to tread lightly. You want to, you want to see the room where they stuff the pinatas with stuff? Oh God, this is gonna you be... were wondering why they didn't have any of those licensed pinata characters that look a little bit off model. <laughs> no, that would be hilarious. <laughs> licensed. <laughs> um, <laughs> no, I uh, I want to uh, tread lightly because I don't want to be misunderstood, which I almost certainly will be. But like, so what you're saying is you're just a man whose intentions are good. Uh huh. This is gonna. God. This is gonna go well. Please don't. No, I just please like, don't let him be misunderstood. There are a lot of movies out there that like, um, try and avoid charges of racism by like making like their gangs ridiculously multicultural, mm-hmm. which is silly in its own way because like, like unfortunately, like that's not usually how these things work. Like, like the gang system typically is sort of uh culturally like uh yeah like uh but insular. Like, you're saying. You're like you're like. Unfortunately, there's just not enough integration in our gangs. <laughs> yeah, we need to we need to start really working on that, everybody. Right, but there's a way to like make this movie and not have like every Mexican gang member just be like a faceless monster that is shot by a white lady, mm-hmm. especially in this mm-hmm. modern uh, climate where yep. immigration is a huge issue that uh, mm-hmm. is being used as a divisive topic. Uh, so it just maybe it's the wrong 
wrong movie for this time is is perhaps what I'm saying. Or any time. Uh, that's yeah. what I wanted to say about the pinata factory shootout. <laughs> so let's uh, let's leave a pause so people can gasp at Dan's uh, insensitivity. Uh huh. And then uh, we'll pick it back up. We get some news stories about the shootout at the pinata factory. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> the the news is incredibly uh, informed at this point. Like they know they know every everything. single thing, and also. People on social media have already picked up this story. They know her whole story, and they are yeah. def- they're behind her. She is a champion of the people. Uh, it is referred to by the FBI agent as a typical social media shitstorm. Mm-hmm. Uh, and Diego is like, now I'm serious. I'm putting out a hit on Riley North. Because here's what Riley North does. She leaves one guy alive at the pinata factory to... Uh, <laughs> To uh to send a message, the guy here's what I and he she, and she's like tell me everything and she threatens him and he reveals everything. That guy, if it was me, I am leaving town. I am never coming back. But instead, he goes back to Diego to be like, "Hey, boss, sorry, I told her everything about where all our drug stuff is. Hey, frenzies still, <laughs> you know, people make mistakes. Like Diego, to err is human, but to forgive is divine. So maybe uh you can give me a mulligan on this one, <laughs> Diego. Of course." replies to this by killing him <laughs> like it's it's a foolish move what if after the scene of the pinata factory by the way the uh the yep. drug lord goes through and he's like where are all my henchmen where are the dead bodies of my henchmen and he like looks through and then finally he hits a pinata and all these body parts mm-hmm. fall out <laughs> mm-hmm. i mean that'd be a huge pinata <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> i just imagine somebody driving up to buy a pinata with their kid for their kid's birthday party and just being like Okay, what kind of piñata do you want? You want a Spider-Man piñata? I mean, I know it's kind of weird to hit Spider-Man because you're such a big fan of his. Literally to beat him with a baseball bat until his body bursts open, but we can get you a Spider-Man piñata. Anyway, it seems like more the kind of thing a villain would do, but okay, let's just look in here and... Oh, God! Oh, no! They've been burst like so many piñatas! Do you think that (laughs) happened or no? (laughs) Probably. (laughs) They probably Uh, cut that. Yeah, I would imagine. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Now, guys, here's something I want to bring up. or, Or like a family shows up to buy a piñata and they're like... This is a strange-looking piñata, and they're like, oh, no, it's a dead guy. <laughs> Doesn't look like SpongeBob. <laughs> now, here's, here's okay, guys, something I wanted to mention. In this scene, Diego's henchmen are all standing around, and they're like, so what are we going to do, boss? And he buys himself some time by pouring himself a drink. Uh-huh. And at this moment, I was like, oh, okay, you know what? Diego is, an empl- is a manager. He has to make decisions very quickly in uh-huh. front of his subordinates while yep. they're literally watching him and waiting and I really sympathize with that kind of pressure and stress yeah. on someone who finds themselves in like a middle manager position where it's sure, like, yeah. if I do the wrong thing, this is going to hurt the organization. If I do the wrong thing, I'll get in trouble with my bosses. Uh-huh. And I don't really have a lot of time, and I don't have the space to like get in a room and really think it out by myself. You know what? Mm-hmm. I have to make this decision right now, and I have to do it with the pressure uh-huh. of the eyes of my employees on me. I really sympathize with that. It was the first time mm-hmm. that I think I sympathized with a character in the yeah. movie. <laughs> yeah, and he and he and he makes that call. You know, he understands that you miss a hundred percent of the shots you don't take. So, yeah. uh, <laughs> so and now now is when we learn that uh, there's one portion of Skid Crow. Skid Crow. There's one portion of Skid Row. <laughs> Skid Crow is, of course, uh, the the version of the crow that I don't, is stars the members of Skid Row. Uh, that Skid Row has been crime free for three months. Wait a minute. Riley North um, returned to America three months ago. Yeah. Oh, and as if, it, and just to drive the point home, there's a huge wall mural of Riley North as an avenging uh-huh. angel with guns in her hands, <laughs> yeah, painted yeah, yeah. on the side of a building. Yeah, move over, Alita. We got a new battle angel. Um, the 
Yeah. So yeah, this is all figured out by the very FBI agent uh, who's been liaising with uh, Detective Carmichael and Detective Beltran. Thank you, IMDb. Oh, um, that's his name. Uh, FBI agent Lisa Inman. Uh, and there's like jokes that there might be a romantic relationship between her and uh, the Carmichael. The, the Carmichael, and th- that f- <laughs> that felt pretty weird. Yeah, uh, but it's all it's all a big bit of uh, filmmaking uh, trickeroony. But we'll get to that in a second. Uh, uh, and so Riley, she gets they trap her in an exploding drug lab, right? Yep. Like yeah, she goes to take down a lab and they trap her in it, but she escapes through the sewers like a regular ninja turtle. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yep, she's chomping on some pizza. A regular Ninja out. Turtle, not <laughs> yeah. a Teenage Mutant yeah. one. <laughs> not a Teenage, yeah, just a regular Ninja Turtle. Not one one who is either middle-aged or not radioactive or not mutated in any way. Yeah. Uh, and so she steals a car to get away, and then she does what I think is the second funniest thing in the movie after Where'd You Get That Shitty Toy? There's like a cup of soda in the car that the, the owner of the car had, and she just picks it up and gulp, slurps it down. Yeah. <laughs> and do you think there's a moment where she starts drinking that, and she's like, this reminds me of my old life, the person I used to be. <laughs> when I enjoyed soda. Peppermint soda. <laughs> I think no, I think what she did is she picks it up and she takes a sip and she's like, oh, Sprite. Well, whatever. So yeah, she she used the car. She tails uh, the gangsters who are very excited to be able to call shots as they are promised by their boss. Uh, she drives around them uh, and then murders both of them and then takes the car and shows up at uh, Diego Garcia's home. Uh, now, here's my question. Yep. Does she drink or eat whatever she finds in the thug's car, too? I mean, I, like, I can only assume that seems to be her calling card. It's, it's, it's like they go to the judge's house and they're like, someone blew up the judge and they ate his leftovers. I mean, oh, she took that. Riley North was here. She took that toy, right? So. She always, she's always stealing a little bit of something because mm. it's weirdly for a movie that is about someone who is basically turned herself into a human bullet who is dedicated only to killing yep. the thing, the thing that really symbolized for me that she's at rock bottom is just picking up a cup of soda in somebody else's car that you don't know what it's in and just drink what's in it is just drinking it. Like that's so gross to me yep. to wrap your lips around somebody else's straw and just drink whatever they have in their car mm-hmm. that I was like, wow, she really does have no fear. She yeah. really is on, on rock bottom. Uh-huh. So she uh, she tricks uh, the large security force at the at the uh, well appointed home of the drug lord uh, by just rolling the car forward, and then she keeps jumping around shooting them. And again, this is a I think this is a well choreographed, organized action sequence. It reads well, obviously. Terrible movie. Uh, don't agree with any of this, but uh, she fights her way into the compound. She has a final uh, showdown. Or so it seems with Garcia, she has him in her sights. But then her greatest weakness, her kryptonite shows up. That's right, a little kid who, when she looks at the Garcia's daughter, she sees her own daughter's face. And that leaves her open to an ice pick attack to the side. Uh, and he, we saw him like fucking her one around. Weakness. Yeah, we saw him. We saw him. We saw him fucking around with that ice pick right earlier. I feel like he was like jamming it into a bucket of ice cubes. And I'm like, you don't need an ice pick for this, dude. Like, they're already cubes. I mean, sometimes ice (laughs) cubes, you know, they like melt a little and they freeze together and like you got to re-separate them. I don't know. That seems (laughs) far-fetched. I'm with Dan on this one. I, I Dan, Dan won me over with that eyewitness argument earlier. And now I'll just believe whatever he says. (laughs) So, yeah, I see how it is. 
Uh, also, but maybe he's like, maybe he prefers crushed ice to cubed ice. Yeah. I mean, he is a monster. Uh-huh. We so, do know that he is an evil villain, so maybe he does prefer to have little weird gravelly chunks of ice that slip into your throat and you crunch on them, mm-hmm. as opposed to beautiful cubes that keep the water cold and you don't have to swallow them whole. Maybe he's just the kind of evil villain that prefers crushed ice. You're listening? You're listening, Jesse Thorne, not my dad? That's what we think about your pebble ice shit. Oh, wow. <laughs> Jesse, lo- Jesse likes pebble ice. Oh, man. Well, I guess I, I got to update my fucking live journal about Jesse's preferences. <laughs> uh, yeah, again, I'll, I'll put that in my dossier. The- <laughs> oh, wow. You're going to give that to your Mr. Hitman squad? Yeah, my Mr. Sinister style database <laughs> on everybody I know and everything about them. <laughs> uh, so Riley's hurt. We do not get the satisfac- uh, satisfactory ending we were hoping for. In fact, there's much more movie to go. She escapes the home. Garcia gets the remainder of his henchmen around him. He is once again impregnable and defended. Uh, She goes to the only place she thinks she can go. That's right. The home of the rival mom, Peggy, where she immediately punches her former rival in the face, ties her up, and then enjoys the luxuries of Peggy's home. And, well, and also threatens her with a gun to the point that Peggy pees herself mm-hmm. a, a surprising amount. Well, is, and I mean, all, like, I don't know why you're judging yeah. that part of it. <laughs> I just say it was like it was. It I was just surprised at how quickly the pee hit the floor, and I'm like, because she puts a gun in her face, and then immediately there's water splattering, like there's liquid splattering on the floor, and I was like, that's what like you, your pants would absorb most of that. Do you think she was like, already peeing? When, before the gun even came out. I mean, that would oh, make sense. She was tied it's up scary. For so long, yeah, she already maybe. has the gun. It doesn't need to be pointed at her. For, but yeah, yeah, so we see our hero bully a woman. Uh, yeah, but you know, she you know she deserved having a gun stuck in her face because she was n- not nice. Do you I guess? think? She, do you think she, she, she was a um, last Garcia's, minute party once? Yeah, yeah, she was. Do you think she was in a, a like part of Garcia's plan? Was he got Peggy to throw that party? So <laughs> that's right. <laughs> maybe. Um. So, oh, so tell us what happens next with Carmichael. Uh, yeah, so we introduce, an, uh, you know, the cops show up to Garcia's home. They're picking over the bodies. We're introduced to Method Man. That's right. He's in this movie. We got a new character um, <laughs> who is playing one of the detectives. Uh, and he reveals that uh, that Carmichael is unavailable. Carmichael's partner, Beltran's like, where is he? Turns out Carmichael's been lying to both of them. And we realize that he is the dirty cop. Yeah. Just in time for him to show up to meet his FBI contact, who we thought was a love interest at Skid Row. And then he shoots her. Yeah. This is the one stab the movie makes at being like, see, we're not racist. The white cop was the bad cop and the Hispanic cop was good. Uh Uh-huh. That's true. Uh, the movie's previous racism made me believe uh, that it was going to go the other direction. <laughs> exactly. I mean, also the fact that the the good cop, the man who turns out to be the good cop, Beltran, is constantly presented as kind of sinister and hiding something. Yeah. And and like a, kind of like a shadowy figure, whereas Carmichael is always presented as being Jennifer Garner's kind of sympathetic protector. Mm-hmm. Really, he was just watching her because he's working for the cartel. Uh, and he calls in the location of Riley's battle van mm-hmm. to Diego. Uh-huh. So the uh, the drug lord does the uh, the you know the the smart choice, which is he gets all his guys to go down to Skid Row and start popping off and shouting and uh, rousing, <laughs> popping and locking. They're just dancing. <laughs> mm-hmm. 
singing Skid Row from Little Shop of Horrors. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah, so they they try and draw out, uh, they try and draw Riley out by attacking the people that had previously been under her, oh, I guess still are under her protection. Um, and she, I think, kills a couple of them and tricks a couple of them and eventually uh, uses a stolen phone to videotape uh, videotape Diego Garcia and Carmichael and videotape all this shit. And I guess she FaceTimes the news. I don't exactly know how this happened. (laughs) It's something that the the police are literally like, Hey, check out the TV. And on the news, uh, Riley is FaceTiming with the anchor explaining what's going on and how this is a big deal. And that guy's a dirty cop and LAPD come on down. And it's one of those things where you're like, I guess she decided to do it publicly so that the LAPD, if they were dirty, couldn't, just th- get rid of her if she just called them. But it's just this this very funny thing of like, uh, there's this aspect of like, hey, someone I know. It's treated with the with the importance of, hey, someone I know is on TV. Like, oh, Riley North, this person I know a little bit. I get they they're in New York and they're behind the window at the Today Show, mm-hmm. and uh, and I can see them waving. This is amazing. Like it it kind of comes out of nowhere and it's very goofy, but it's handled very casually. Like, oh yeah, of course she's just gonna FaceTime with the news. Uh, yeah, so, and I think she uses the phone from, uh, the, the FBI agent, right? She finds it oh, on I the FBI remember. agent's body in the dumpster. Uh, to be honest, I kind of, I wasn't sure where she got the phone from. I had forgotten. Mm-hmm. And so I thought for a minute, oh, did she have a phone this whole time? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, so did Riley North, like, go in and sign up for a plan? Yep. Yep. Like, uh, so the, and, and they're uh, really trying to upsell her on the, on, on one of the newer iPhones. And she's like, I'll just take an older one. Like, it doesn't matter. I don't, does it have FaceTime on it? Mm-hmm. Yeah, but you're also going to want this measuring app that it's like you have a level with you all the time. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's kind of useful though, right? I use my oh, level sure. app. Uh huh. You know, to hang, hang pictures. Oh, you have pictures? Yeah, I do. Wow. Okay, <laughs> Look, Mr. I've Rockefeller. Got, I've got friends and I've got pictures. Right? <laughs> uh, I guess Dan has all. this rich full life outside of what I know him from. So yeah. I guess that's uh, where you know me from. <laughs> yeah, but I knew you from. Oh, you're that guy from the podcast. <laughs> uh huh. Uh, so, <laughs> so Garcia uh, Diego threatens Diego yeah. threatens a street kid, right? To he's, draw out Riley. Yeah, he's threatening one of the humble urchins who has been part of the like Greek chorus of homeless people in this movie. <laughs> these these surprisingly clean faced street kids. Mm-hmm. Um, so she turns herself in. She turns herself over. She kind of like challenges him to a fight, and they fight for a little bit. And he's beating her up, and then uh, he knocks her into a. Uh, into a shopping cart where Carmichael had previously stashed the murder weapon that he used to kill uh, FBI agent Inman. Um, and just then, that's about when the uh, the police show up. Mm-hmm. Garcia is not happy about this because previously he thought they were his friends. So he just immediately shoots Carmichael in front of everybody. Uh, and then he and his gang kind of scatter and run amongst the, uh, the, the tent city. Uh, he and Garcia and uh, Riley have their final showdown. They punch a bunch, and she beats them up. <laughs> and she has <laughs> that sounds like yeah. like a like a like a TV like kid show, uh, action kid show. The punch a bunch. <laughs> <laughs> so she's got uh, she's got a gun on him. The cops got guns on her. They're like, "Don't do it!" And she goes, "I'm going to do it." So she just shoots him and kills him. And then they shoot her. And then. Uh, that's when they like, oh yeah, then she like sneaks away and- Well, and this is the most inexplicable moment in the movie. There are so many cops surrounding them. It's a pretty well-lit nighttime uh-huh. area. 
she shoots she shoots Garcia and the cops shoot at her and then Beltran's like, stop, cease fire, cease fire. And they look and she's gone. She's disappeared. And it's like, in mm-hmm. what? The haze of gun smoke? Like, I, it's, how did they, how did she? What, yeah, they were all like, watching gun smoke. So that's mm-hmm. why. <laughs> yeah, but it's just this moment of like, there is no possible way they would not see her running off somewhere. She let's, at this, this is the moment where yeah. she becomes Jason, essentially, or Michael Myers, where it's like, Oh yeah, he fell down right over there. Huh? He's gone. Yeah, like, it's it's it, like she realized she was close to death and used whatever it item uh, you use to summon yourself back to the spawn point, so you don't lose all your experience <laughs> points. Um, exactly. So she sneaks off, and the detective's like, "I know where she's going," uh, because everybody knows everything that's important, and uh, they find, of course, Detective Beltran finds her. Uh, crumpled at the grave of her family. She's like, just let me die. And he's like, no can do. I got to take you in. So she is taken in and then uh, she's in the hospital handcuffed and Beltran shows up and he's like, you know what? There's an an announcement on the TV that the LAPD will be, she will be brought up on charges and she will go to trial as she should because no matter how righteous her cause she is a regular human being who has decided to take the law of murder into her own hands mm-hmm. and killed dozens of uh-huh. people. So she's uh, handcuffed to the bed, and Beltran shows up again, and he says, you know what? All us cops would have done the exact same thing, and then gives her the keys to the cuffs, and that is the end of the movie. So I wonder, why did he take her in in the first place? <laughs> uh, I guess to get the medical care? I'm not sure. Oh, yeah, and also maybe it looks good for his... Uh, does it look good for his like record that he, he closed the case? <laughs> he did his job, well, yeah, probably. But I love that that like at his at his employee review, they're like, okay, uh, compliment <laughs> number one, you really handled the situation well with Riley North, and that you brought her in. A uh-huh. uh, little bit of a criticism, you let her go. <laughs> uh, <laughs> you just gave her then, the key to the cuffs. Uh, that's and then I just want to end with a compliment that you uh, really bounced back well from your partner turning out to be a crooked cop. Mm-hmm. Uh, who was then murdered in front of you. So I guess that's the review is I really want you to work harder on not letting them go mm-hmm. after you bring them in uh, and keeping a better eye on your partner, yeah. letting us know if he turns out to be crooked. Yeah, so it was pretty, ob- and, uh, pretty obvious. The next was, cop. Pretty obvious that he was crooked. Uh, we gave you all the clues, Mr. Policeman. But uh... <laughs> now uh, the uh, if you need some help, uh, I'll give you the key to the bat signal. If you could send in uh, Detective Bullock. Now, uh, for his employee <laughs> oh, review, wow. I'd appreciate it. And Detective Montoya. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, so that is Peppermint. We get some hard rocking tunes over the credits. <laughs> <laughs> That's Stuart's favorite part. Mm-hmm. Um, so, all right, we've all, almost gone as long as the movie itself. Let's say our final judgments quickly, whether this is a good, bad movie, a bad, bad movie, or a movie we kind of liked. Uh, I think it was bad, bad. I think it was like the most basic uh, revenge movie, but it didn't give me even like the sick, like thrills that a revenge movie normally gives me. I wasn't like, yeah, like kill those people. I was like, Ugh, this makes me feel gross. Um, and I was kind of bored. I have to admit, I dozed off a couple times, and, and it was mostly during the action sure. sequences. Which, uh, hey Dan, let me let me tell you, let me let you in on something. You don't have to admit that. I, we assume <laughs> it. I do have to admit it. I'm legally required to admit <laughs> that I dozed off a couple times during the action action sequences, which Stuart seemed to think were the best thing about the movie, so I didn't even get that enjoyment. So, uh, no thanks, Peppermint. 
Mm-hmm. Uh, was that supposed to be a pun? No thanks, Peppermint. I don't, I don't know. It's it's my it's my forties detective catchphrase. No thanks, <laughs> your, Peppermint. I just like the idea of like your like Dan is like an Arnold Schwarzenegger type action hero, and his catchphrase is no thanks. <laughs> uh so here's the thing. I think this is a bad, bad movie. Uh, it's kind of creepy, and it's like the thinnestly, uh, thinnest drawn, uh, like like straw man type type villains, right? Um, but it the I think the action scenes are actually pretty decent. They make sense, uh, and the storytelling is the fastest I've ever seen. They give you all the information. Uh, it never pauses, although it's way too long. Uh, if maybe if the movie had ended the first time she attacked Garcia in his house, I might've like, it might've been a little bit better for like a shitty, like grindhouse movie, but it just goes on too long. This is a bad, bad movie. Don't watch it. But Jennifer Garner, yeah. Jennifer Garner is, I think a solid action actor. Still, yeah, she I, remains a solid action. I loved the first few seasons of Alias, so I was kind of excited to see this yep. movie before I realized it was going to be horrible. Uh, and you were telling me how much you loved her as Electra, right? Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, she yeah. was electric. Best, I think you raved. Best Marvel movie ever. <laughs> Better than Black Panther, raves Dan McCoy. <laughs> uh, I think, uh, yeah, bad, bad movie. It makes you feel gross. And I'll, there's lots of stuff about it, as we mentioned, that is uh, problematic. But also, it's just like not fun, and it's just gross. And there's only so much credit I'll give a movie for having a great line like "Where'd you get that shitty toy?" <laughs> um, if you're gonna watch a movie starring a very accomplished actress, mm-hmm. where she is thrust into a situation where she has to kick ass to protect her child or get revenge, there's a movie called Kidnap. It stars Halle mm-hmm. Berry. We covered it on the show before. Mm-hmm. If you want to see like a like a grimy grindhouse movie about a mom driven to the edge, I'd say go for, go for Kidnap instead. That's not mm-hmm. my recommendation for the episode, but bad bad movie. Go see Kidnap instead. Mm-hmm. Now, guys, let's talk about something that's good good, and that's the Max Fun Drive. That's yes, please. The chance, the listeners' chance, as we were saying, to get involved with the Max Fun community to support the shows they love in the form of monies that we can then spend on clothes, food, housing, mm-hmm. uh, luxury items, all, medical care, all sorts of things. Re- no re- renting the movies that we have to watch for the show. <laughs> That's true. I mean, there are web hosting, all the all those big costs. Uh, so, Dan, uh, I wondered, should we talk about the gifts that people could get? Yes, please. Oh. We, know, we know what we get from it. We get money. But what do the gifts get? Well, let's talk about the levels. You want me to go through them? Yeah, sure. Okay, first off, there's that $5 monthly membership. That gives uh-huh. you access to all the exclusive bonus content from all the shows, over hundreds of hours of bonus content, only available to monthly uh, subscriber members. Uh, what kind of stuff do we have coming out down the pipe for our bonus content this year? Yeah, we. I mean, we already, uh, we already posted the first bit of bonus content, and uh, what we're working on right now is uh, a continuation of some of the bonus content that we've done in the past, which is... Uh, the flop tales uh, uh, episodes where I force you guys to play a role playing game with me, um, and we uh, originally started as a crossover with the very popular Adventure Zone podcast, um, and then it's kind of sp- spun off in its own stranger direction. Um, and I have a couple more episodes ready to go, and I'm just hoping that we'll hit the uh, the the max fun drive target yeah 
I don't want to backseat uh, bonus content drive here, but I want to make it clear that these uh, these extra episodes, these role-playing extra episodes that Stuart are talking about are uh, bonuses that we're looking to do if we meet our goal of, uh, what is it, 25,000 25, new, new or upgrading members. members. We have some bonus content out already for uh, current donors or people who are donating this time around, and that is us talking about the legendary failed pilot Puchinski mm-hmm. about Peter Boyle coming back as a dog cop. But we uh, we use the bonus stuff as an opportunity to do stuff that we don't normally do in the uh, on our regular episodes. Gives us a chance to I don't know take a breather. And we've record- already recorded a bunch of stuff uh, in previous years. And if you're a Max Fun donor of five dollars or more a month, you have access to like hundreds and hundreds of hours yeah. of stuff okay. from us and others. So, so that's the five dollar monthly membership. But the really good stuff comes at a little bit more. $10 monthly membership. You get access to the bonus content plus the exclusive to this drive year only enamel pin designed by Megan Lynn Knott and you get to choose what show Megan you Lynn want Cott. the pin Cott. from. Just, just Cott. What did I say? Oh, I said Knott. Knott. Sorry. Mm-hmm. Megan Lynn Cott. Uh, Megan Lynn Knott is of course a different person. Uh, <laughs> at, at, at $20. At the $20 Another person with no defining features apparently. <laughs> <laughs> nope. At $20 monthly membership, uh, you get the bonus content, you get the pin, and you get a 550-piece Maximum Fun puzzle designed specifically for Max Fun monthly members. Hey, you're looking for something to do with your hands and your eyes while you listen to a podcast? Uh-huh. Maybe <laughs> do the Max Fun puzzle. Okay. Yeah, start start up membership. a puzz club and fucking do some puzz. <laughs> yeah, call it a puzzcast. Be all puzzy about it. Uh, $35 monthly membership. You get a glass coffee mug engraved with the Max Fun Rocket logo. We love that logo, plus mm-hmm. all the preceding bonus stuff. And there's some other, you know, and once you get a higher $50, $100, $200, you get even more stuff. Uh, there's, uh, you get a special, extra special metal membership card, or you can be in the Max Fun mem- Inner Circle for $100. Uh, you can learn about that on the website. $200 monthly membership, you get free registration for Max Fun Con 2020. Mm-hmm. That's all stuff. But where do people enjoy doing it the most? Well, in their bed at home. But where do people <laughs> enjoy donating the most for Max Fun? Uh, I feel like a lot of people go for the ten dollar monthly. Uh-huh. Uh, the twenty is also popular. What's so, uh, what's our pin look like this for, year, Dan? Why, do, why, this, why are you underselling the twenty dollar month? First of all, I mean, please, if you if you if you feel moved to give us twenty dollars a month. But yes, also we should specify that this year's uh, pen and people love these enamel pens. Uh, this year's pen is the Flophouse House Cat, who is not saying. Uh, rah rah! Uh-huh. As well, is party the dudes trademark like that. Uh, uh, catchphrase. He's the flop house. He's saying the flop house. Uh-huh. And yeah. it's it's adorable. It is adorable. Yeah, it's it a is, very it norm core. It's a adorable norm core version of the house cat. It I looks it. very much like my dearly departed cat Lulu. Actually, mm-hmm. it's yeah, a it tuxedo cat. Like uh-huh. Uh huh. So that's so. Those are the gifts you can look forward to. At ten dollars, the pin five dollars. The bonus content twenty dollars. A puzzle thirty five dollars. A glass coffee mug with the Max One logo. And again. When you go at the membership level, you get all the the prizes for the lower levels that go along with it. Uh, it's all great stuff, and that's if you donate and a monthly member. And so here's how you do donate: you go to maximumfund.org/donate, like we said. Select the membership level you write you like. Look into your heart. Look into your wallet. Look into your brain. Figure out what's right for you. Put in your credit card information and the shows you listen to. Beep up boop. Takes very little time. Suddenly you're a member, and those gifts are going to come to you in the mail. Thanks to the U.S. Postal Service. Yeah. Thank you, U.S. Postal Service. Thank you, Ben Franklin, for being one of the founders of said postal service okay. uh, and for making this possible. And why not celebrate that 
by donating $100. That's one Ben Franklin, right? I don't know. Whatever you want to do. Mm-hmm. Dan, do you want to talk a little bit about the Max Fund Drive? Oh, thank you for teeing me up. I didn't know whether you were going to do it or not. Um. <laughs> well, I mean, we talked about me doing it earlier, so I figured I would. Uh, yeah. And uh, while Dan is while Dan is rambling on, now's a good time to go to MaximumFun.org slash donate and choose the membership level that's right for you and provide your credit card information and your basic information. Dan, continue to talk. Give them something to listen to while they sign up. Look. Or upgrade. So I don't want to bring anyone down. Uh-huh. Uh, <laughs> uh, you don't? Because that's kind of your thing. <laughs> I don't want to bring anyone down. We love doing the show. Uh-huh. We have a great time doing the show. We have a lot of fun. It's a good excuse for us three as probably at this point, uh, I would call us best friends. Uh, uh, getting in touch <laughs> regularly. Getting to see I mean, one another regularly. Best friends who turned down Stuart's invitation to watch a movie together. Mm-hmm. But yeah, okay. Uh, it's a good chance for us to to stay close. It's a good chance for us to talk. It's a good chance for us to uh, put out something in the world for you people to enjoy, which we love. But I will be honest, it gets it gets tough. It gets tough sometimes. It mm-hmm. gets harder as the years go by to find the time to set aside to uh, record the podcast, to edit the podcast, to like the bigger the podcast gets, the more it's like a second business that we all have to kind of run together. Uh-huh. Um, so it makes it good yeah. if we get money for it. <laughs> that, that's true. Yeah, money equals we can put time into the podcast that you like. Yeah, and we can do extra stuff like uh, touring. I just want to mention uh, quickly. I we I said something about it last week. Uh, we are touring this summer and fall. Uh, June eight, per- Portland. July thirteen, Minneapolis. September twenty eight, Boston. October twelfth, Los Angeles. You oh, can wow. find out about that on the website. We won't waste a lot of time on that because it's the Max Fun Drive. But that's the sort of thing that having money can let us do. Yep. Uh, so it's good to have mm-hmm. as as well as you know to feed us. Clothe us, mm-hmm. uh, house us, keep Archie and then my multiple cats in uh, food and clothes. Yeah, and my children. Oh uh, well, yeah, yeah, them too. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, that's the Max Fun Drive. Uh, please uh, show us your support. We'll talk a little bit more about it again at the end of the episode. Uh, but take any time you want during this episode to go to maximumfun.org/slash/donate. Pick what kind of membership level you want to go at, and just give us your information, and just be a part of the fun that is supporting Maximum Fun and being a member. There's a lot of great stuff about it. I don't want to tell you all of it because if you're not a member already, mm-hmm. you don't deserve to know until you become a member. And if you <laughs> okay. are a member already, then you already know how amazing it is yeah. and you don't need me wasting your time telling you. Uh-huh. So let's talk about it more later at the end of the episode. Maximum Fun Drive. Donate now. MaximumFun.org slash donate. Dan, what do we do next uh, on the regular episode Next, podcast? we talk to you via the medium of email. Uh-huh. Specifically, you email us and we talk back to you. Uh-huh. Uh, letters, we call it. Yep, it's our classic segment, email talkback. <laughs> uh, this first letter is from, let's see, Taj, last name withheld. Mm-hmm. Who writes, I finally got round to see one of Elliot's favorite films, Tarsing Sings The Fall. I was mm-hmm. shocked to find an Elliot suggestion that had been made in the last 70 years, however, as the film... Is set in 1915 and features silent movies. It makes sense why it gets the Kalen seal of approval. Hardy, har, har. I <laughs> well, well, well. Okay. I get a lot of I get a lot of guff about having loving old movies, but now he's gone too far. You know why? Why? Yeah. 
because I needed attention. I'm okay. sorry, guys. I shouldn't have interrupted. Dan, continue. <laughs> okay. I enjoyed watching it. There was a charming child performance at its core uh-huh. and some stunning images. There uh-huh. was an unevenness there, too, which reminded me of Terry Gilliam's work. Is this just fucking letterbox now? What's going on here? <laughs> <laughs> It reminded me of Terry Gilliam's work, and I wondered how the former Python might have approached the fall. I suspect there would have been more comedy and even more chaos. I then started really wishing for a Guillermo del Toro version. So my questions are these. Do you have any films that you'd like to see directed by someone else? If yes, which films, by whom, and why? Bonus question. I've recently bought Elliot's excellent horse meets dog to read to my son. I've decided that I'm going to try a John Gielgud voice for horse, but an alive Gielgud, naturally. And Alan Cumming for Dog. Who would you cast in the roles? Uh, oh, wait. Which question should we talk about first? Well, I don't know. I've forgotten okay. the first one already. It's uh, it's <laughs> movies directed by different directors. Oh, okay. Um, I'll just say it right here. I'll just say it right now. Pedro Almodovar's Jurassic Park. Mm-hmm. For obvious <laughs> yeah. reasons. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, no need to say anything else. Don't need to explain it. That's what I want to say. Oh, Probably yeah. couldn't. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I mean, I guess that's. Uh, I, I guess that would probably make peop- more people happy than Mike Lee's uh, <laughs> Jurassic Park. <laughs> <laughs> Mike Lee's Jurassic Park is entirely just like semi-improvised conversations among the marketing team over what they're going to name this dinosaur park. <laughs> uh, Dan Stewart, do you have any ideas? Movies you'd like to see directed by other people? Uh, oh God, it's it's always tough for me to think about uh, to take a movie and then just have a completely different director do it. Cause I, it's hard to say how much impact the original director had on what I liked about the original. Uh, are we talking about just, I mean, not to ask the rules or anything, but like if it's just like a different person starts from the screenplay and works their way up, I guess, I don't know. Like I'm a big fan of, uh, uh I had mentioned previously, uh, many moons ago when I talked about, uh, when I talked about the, uh, the human centipede, how how much I would have preferred that movie if it had been directed by uh, Stuart Gordon, mm-hmm. uh, because the Stuart Gordon, mo- much more so than Tom Six, seems to understand uh, well how to make a good movie and also uh, how to make uh, how to make like body horror and physical horror so and gore so physically revolting. Um, and I think that would have made that movie a little more effective as opposed to not effective. Um, but it's it's tough like outside of that just saying like i would like to see more kind of boring normal oscar fair directed by weirder directors like i would have much preferred uh i don't know like i feel like david cronenberg doesn't get to direct enough movies so uh i guess more movies directed by him so like bohemian rhapsody directed by david cronenberg i mean i feel like if you completely changed the, the direct I mean changing the director in Bohemian Rhapsody is the minimum thing you can do to fix that movie. I mean it is it is something they actually did during the production yeah, of the I, film now yeah, that I think about it. Yeah. So um, let's say uh, let's say uh let's say David Cronenberg's Green Book. Uh, yeah. I, I, I don't know about that. I didn't see it and I don't plan but to. I'd assume then that the book would become like a uh, like some kind of uh portal to an alternate universe or something like that, you mm-hmm. know. Uh, uh yeah, it's bound with human skin or something. I mean, isn't isn't the ultimate body horror the horror that people judge each other by their physical appearances and their bodies rather than what's inside them, Dan? <laughs> uh, sure. Isn't uh, that the ultimate horrible thing that people do? Yes, I'll 
Wow, you're You're, really bumbling this bounce pass, Dan. (laughs) Well, (laughs) it's a question I was not prepared to answer, and I get the feeling Elliot is doing it as a joke to make himself seem extra, like, uh, you know, like cool. Not at all. Not at all. Okay. Um, I'm just saying, look, it's easy for us to escape into realms of grotesquery uh-huh, rather than yeah. grappling with the real problems okay. of humanity. That's I mean, that's saying. 100% me. <laughs> <laughs> um, to answer the question that's not Elliot's question. Yeah. Uh, so I didn't really think about this that much, despite getting this email early on and forwarding it to you guys. Mm-hmm. Um, so Why would you? No, why would I? You I were busy like I falling asleep while watching Peppermint. Had a podcast to record. Uh, so the things that occur to me most um, foremost are movies that were taken away from their original director, and how I would rather oh, yeah, see the original director do it. Like it's a better way to Edgar Wright's Ant Man or uh, Lord and Miller doing Solo. Like I would have preferred seeing those versions. Uh-huh. Or Brian Singer with Bohemian Rhapsody. Uh, no, <laughs> no um, did not say that. Uh, but for other movies, let's just say Joe Dante gets to do all of them. Yeah. The, yeah, Joe, Joe Dante's Green Book. Yeah. Uh, do you have anything, Elliot? Yeah, Pedro Almodovar's Jurassic okay. Park. I said it already. All right, well, then let's move on. I mean, the, uh, anytime, you can, anytime you could have a... I mean, similarly to like you're saying, these kind of like middle-of-the-road kind of like mainstream movies to having more interesting people doing them, I would love for people to... You know, the thing that they, they always gets promised where it's like, oh, this franchise is going to have someone with a unique vision take over, and uh-huh. that rarely actually happens. Uh, Except so for, like, Alfonso see. Cuaron's uh, Harry Potter movie. Yeah, kind of. Or, like, I would love to see, like, uh, I don't know, people do, like, James Bond movies who are not regular James Bond people or something like that. There's so, Or, like, Godzilla movies. Like, there's so many of them already. We've established the, the default norm that uh-huh. we can, that now they can move off of that and go into other directions, you know. But, but they rarely do. Elliot, nostalgia is very important to people, and people don't actually want to be surprised by the thing that they love. That's a fair point, actually. That's a good point. Okay. Uh, let's move on uh-huh. to a different letter that I will look at right now. <laughs> wow. <laughs> wow. <laughs> so remember, everybody, think about how great the Flophouse is and donate the amount of money you think goes with that. Mm. <laughs> I didn't just think... uh, click on the Flophouse episode. You're I was looking to up now, something. Drag it to your old recycling bin. <laughs> I was looking up. <laughs> I was looking up something related to the show. Then unplug your computer. Talking sooner than I thought, so I needed to flip back to the right tab. Pour gasoline all over that computer, then <laughs> light it on fire. Get rid of the Flophouse. <laughs> okay, so put just put a drill up to your head and trip hang yourself so that the memories of this episode flow out the hole in your skull. <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> Christine, last name withheld, writes. Uh-huh. A car? Hey, Flippity Floppers. <laughs> I've been seeing a lot of my favorite shows or movies getting the reboot treatment. Uh-huh. While I would love to see more of these worlds, I feel a disconnect with the new interpretations of the material. Either it feels tonally off to the source, or it's just a retelling of an already fleshed-out arc with a new cast. I'm not against remakes, but it seems like when a story has re- reached an endpoint, we could go elsewhere with the plot. For example... With talks of the Buffy the Vampire Slayer re- reboot, I would prefer to see a series about a different Slayer in the Buffyverse, like Nikki Reed, Kendra, or have an older Buffy become a Watcher training a younger Slayer. 
But having or what new- about what about if it was a fish and it was Orange Ruffy the the, the Vampire Slayer? Mm. That was certainly worth stopping a letter for. <laughs> <laughs> uh, uh, I'd rather have those than have a new series about her, especially when we already have the movie, show, and comic telling her story. Are there any remakes that you wish had further explored the world they took place in instead of following the characters you already knew? Christine, last name withheld. Um. So. I mean, I, I will say one of the things that I like about the new Star Wars movies is that they are shedding the old characters uh-huh. and uh-huh. moving on from them. Like I would as much as I enjoy the old Star Wars movies and, and love them, I would like nothing more than for them to stop talking about the Skywalker family. Yeah. And you have to let the let the past die. Things. You must kill yeah, it. Exactly. Uh, a thing that is did not do this as well, I think, were the J.J. Abrams Star Trek movies where mm-hmm. I got so mad that the second movie was just ended up being a redo of the con story. And I was like, can we not do like new stories? I know it's not exactly the same thing because it's not totally new leads, although it would be interesting to me to have new types of characters in those two. But like to to just like do a remake of literally a story from before seems like a wasted opportunity. Come up with a new story, you know? Or do a remake of Star Trek Five, my favorite one. Well it makes uh it's if it, it kind of reminds me of how uh, like Dark Horse Comics was doing all those branded like aliens and predator comics for a while, and they seem the comics seem to handle that stuff so much better than the eventual movies did. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, this doesn't directly answer the question because I have trouble thinking of a remake uh, or a property that had been remade that I cared enough about either part. I don't know, um, but the uh, I guess what I'm trying to say is. Uh, yeah, I like uh, it. I'd like to see something more like the way that Matt Wagner handled his Grendel comics and his Grendel characters, where he, after like the first Hunter Rose stuff wrapped up, he just kind of went in weirder and stranger directions and took kind of the essence of the character or even just the look of the character and made weird, strange little sci fi comics out of them and handed it off to other creators. Do you know what I'm talking about? Yeah, yeah, exactly. Instead of it just being the continuing adventures of Hunter Rose and then his granddaughter. or right? And his but granddaughter just going through, cycling through the exact same things, basically. Yeah, that it, it then became, using the theme of, I guess, like, the trouble of this spirit of violence mm-hmm. that, uh, that corrupts humanity, that it then became this, yeah, some bizarre stories, and that then the idea of, a Grendel as a thing mm-hmm. became the unifying element. I think that's a good way to put it. Yeah. And uh, I would like to see fewer, uh, you know, lazy reboots like this uh, mystery science theater 3000, the return uh-huh. that just very you know, hashes the whole, the old format with, with new characters, not even fully new right. characters, which, which you would, which you would rather I would, have I would like to see is- uh, the, the adventures of Cambot. Mm-hmm. Uh, grappling uh, with what it's like to be a camera. That's also a robot. Yeah, I mean that's that's pretty a pretty good idea. They could call it Cam, mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. <laughs> it could be about <laughs> it would be about I don't know somebody who makes their living by being videotaped. Yeah, go okay, on. I'll take these ideas to Joel, and I'll see uh, what he says about them. <laughs> he's 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 a young guy. He can probably roll with it, right? Yeah. <laughs> You've always felt that the best thing about Mr. Science Theater is when they're not watching the movie, and I I respect you for that. I actually really like <laughs> I really like the host segments. I don't I know that they're always like 
deeply, deeply stupid, but that's what I respond to. Wow, Dan gave up on the bit really fast. (laughs) No, I'm honestly saying, I've I've, I've never understood people who are like, I really like Mystery Science Theater, but I don't like, you know, when they're not watching the movie. Mm -hmm. That's crazy. What's the same? It, it, I mean, it's that's such a that's such a uh, lesser version of the people who are like, I love Star Wars. I fucking hate the Star Wars movies. And it's mm-hmm. like, I don't know. Hold on a second. I don't understand what you like anymore. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Like, what is what's your deal? Uh, should we move on to the final letter? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Why not? Okay, this is from Aiden. Last name withheld. Mm-hmm. Hey there, guys. Oh, it God. strikes me that this is a very special episode that hasn't had a song yet. <laughs> so let's have a special song for this final letter. It's going to be the better letter, this last one, because I'm sure Dan thought about it ahead of time and organized them precisely to save the best Letter for last. It certainly doesn't seem like Dan that he might just take three random letters and throw them in whatever order they happen to arrive in, or maybe the order that they were already in in his inbox. That wouldn't be like Dan. Dan puts in extra effort all the time. He certainly doesn't fall asleep in the movies or forget what letter we're doing next, or maybe what the question was. So, Dan. Hey, give us this amazing final letter that ties together all the threads that you've laid up till this point in some magical mystery way that reveals to us today this intricate design that we call the Flophouse. Donate now. <laughs> okay. Uh, last, last letter. Thanks. Uh, Aiden, last name withheld, writes, To Stew. That's me. Which movies pair best with your favorite beers? To Elliot. I know that you have a strong interest interest in the presidency of a certain vampire hunter, but are Buffy. there <laughs> but are there other particular periods of world history that intrigue you? And are there any good great movies about them too? To Dan, you aren't the Leonardo of the group. You're the Splinter. I know that wasn't a question, but I asked Elliot too. Mm-hmm. So I get to sit back, relax, and not answer this. So, Stu, movies and beers? Oh, I uh, i mean, based on my beer consumption when watching movies lately, I've been going through a lot of uh, the other half Green City IPA, which is a nice, juicy East Coast IPA. Uh, and I drink that every time I'm at the movies, whether it's a movie that allows me to drink beer or not. <laughs> <laughs> So it's the movie that's allowing you to drink beer or not? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I ask the movie. Everyone in the crowd yells at me, but I wait for the movie You're to like, respond. They never do. Pardon, pardon, pardon me, the favorite. Would you <laughs> yeah. mind if I enjoy this other half beer? Mm-hmm. And the favorite didn't was uh, said nothing to me. Yeah. I was left there just wondering and wanting, similar <laughs> to the characters of the favorite. Excuse me, uh, call me by your name. Uh, can I call you by my name while I'm drinking a beer, or is that not okay? Uh-huh, and they're like, well, I'm glad you use our name as part of the question. That's impressive. <laughs> uh, so, so uh, favorite movie to, dr- to drink a beer to? All of them. On to my question. Yeah, I mean, uh, that's 100% me, though, right? <laughs> like, I've already made that pretty clear. I yeah, sure. There's never been a movie that I've watched that I didn't want to be drinking during it. Yeah. 
Elliot's distracted by something, so let's talk no, about so, um, Elliot's Googling help centers to call. Okay. <laughs> uh, does Stuart have a problem? Oh, here on uh, Quora, it says no. Okay. They crowdsourced it. I'll say, uh, other periods in world history that I'm particularly interested in, There's, it's hard to find a period in world history that I am not interested in. They're all pretty interesting. Uh, so it's taken me until my adulthood to really get into medieval Europe, which I was not so interested in when I was younger, but now I am. Uh, but great, good movies. That's a good question. Look, if you're interested in feudal Japan, there's a ton of different movies to watch. Mm-hmm. Go watch seven, seven samurai, go watch kill though. There's tons of good samurai movies. Mm-hmm. So maybe sort, start from there. Sort of vengeance or sort yeah, of, sort, sort of, of doom. <laughs> My mistake. Sort of doom, yeah. Uh, if it's a uh, sword, it's probably good. <laughs> but there's also, uh, like if you're interested in kind of, uh, Right, like kind of pre-Civil War America. This isn't exactly about that history, but the movie The Devil and Daniel Webster mm-hmm. uh, is a favorite of mine, and that and is kind of like if they made a a scary movie about the period of America in like the eighteen, you know. Uh, oh, are they still 50s, making scary say. movies? Why I yada. I mean, how many uh, of them have they made? Scary movies? Uh huh. Like five. There's made like five or six of them. Yeah. Uh, and I would say a period in world history that people find really boring, but it's not, is Ancient Rome. And this is not a movie recommendation, but I would say go read I, Claudius by oh, yeah. uh, Robert Graves. It's a great book. I actually have never seen the miniseries that they made of it, which I've heard all lots is really good. But that's a book where it really turned me around on Ancient Rome, where it was hard for me to keep straight any of the history of Rome in my head. And I read I, Claudius, and I was like, oh, yeah, the secret is they were all individuals and all different people. So go watch that. Or by watch, I mean look at it with your eyes mm-hmm. and then read it, which I mean, is like a form of watching. <laughs> yeah, basically. Uh, all right. So let's get on to the final segment. Uh, uh, real quick before we oh. get into that final segment, I just want to relay a little bit of information uh, Okay, uh, passed on from my buddy Max. I want to give a quick shout-out and a congratulations to Flophouse listener Daniel Laspada, for winning his election uh, for Chicago's first ward and being elected alderman. Congratulations, sir. Okay. Mm-hmm. Now what do we do? All right. Well, thanks for that. Uh, <laughs> I forget. <laughs> Wait, we recommend movies. Uh-huh. Recommendations. Dan, come on. All right. I'm going to let you in on a little secret. I was, Here's what I do before, was before that, every episode. Uh-huh. I write up a document yeah. with all the things I need to remember for that episode. Yeah. Things that are not that hard to remember, but uh-huh. maybe you could have a helper or thing like this. Uh-huh. Yeah. Well, you write it down. Uh-huh. I uh, mean, in Daniel's in, in Daniel's defense, I threw him <laughs> a curveball. <laughs> I, was, I was busy thinking, like, is this someone that we want to politically endorse? Or are they are they good or are they bad? I don't know anything about them, but congratulations to them as a listener, definitely. Mm-hmm. Um anyway. Yeah, he 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 won his he won on the American Nazi Party platform. And <laughs> sure, he could not be happier. Yeah, most likely I did literally no questioning or research and just blindly recommended somebody. Yeah, right, Dan. That sounds like me, idiot. <laughs> okay, well, thanks. <laughs> A lot of attacks on Dan this episode, but um, no. I, and I don't know why you were at you've been at peak efficiency and peak <laughs> performance all episode. <laughs> uh, It's similar to how King Kong was climbing so high, and as he got higher and higher, more planes kept showing up. I feel like I, I feel like I, I I, I feel like I woke up for the parts of this episode where we're asking for money. (laughs) No, you were great. Um, so uh, this is where we recommend movies that we watched recently. Uh huh. Um, hey guys, I haven't seen a lot recently, so I'm gonna recommend something pretty obvious. 
I hope Stuart wasn't already going to recommend it. Uh, but I went out <laughs> and I saw Captain Marvel. Oh, whew. I liked it a lot. It was good. I like those Marvel movies in general. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, to me, this was sort of sort of down the middle when it comes to all Marvel movies, but I was really mm-hmm. happy to enjoy it. I, I mean, but was, as like as I think Scott Device was saying on the uh, on the the what's the fucking show they do uh, on the Last Picture Show, he was he mentions that like or he he puts out the idea that. Marvel movies, the difference between the worst Marvel movie and the best Marvel movie mm-hmm. is pretty small. Yeah. So, like, right down the middle is pretty good. Yeah, I like, mean, also considering that I have pretty much enjoyed all of them to some degree or another, I, you know, like, possible exception of one or two, but... uh You were saying that Ed Norton Hulk really, like, satisfied you in a way <laughs> yeah. the other movies haven't. Yeah, the Norton Hulk and and the uh, Thor: The Dark World maybe maybe not so much, but every every one of the other ones I would I would give a recommend to. So uh, to say it's down the middle is is good praise, and I was very happy to see that it made a ton of money, proving the mm-hmm. internet trolls wrong, who uh, some just hated, I guess, the idea of a of a woman in charge of a superhero uh, uh, movie. Uh, so yeah, it, it's, it's it's good. It's it's very fun, and it's like uh, a fun. 90s buddy comedy between uh, Brie Larson and Sam Jackson for most of the part of it, which is something that I very much enjoyed. Yes, yeah, somebody's finally mining that rich vein of 90s nostalgia. Uh-huh. <laughs> Give me uh, some no doubt in that quickly, soundtrack. Uh, that podcast that Scott Tobias is on is the next picture show. Jesus Christ, I'm an idiot. <laughs> no, it's, you know, uh, but so. It's okay. Uh, you know, I, he's just, you know, I think he's a listener, so he probably won't be upset at all. No, I, I I know, and uh, like I listen to his podcast. I just don't like remember stuff very well. I think we've covered. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, so, so I'll Dan look forward a to the R- a little Captain indie Marvel. film. Yeah, Captain Marvel. Yeah, hopefully, uh, hopefully your support will help uh, make it some money. You know, <laughs> push it over the top. Mm-hmm. Cool. Uh, I'm gonna recommend a little movie called. Wait for it. Called The Wailing. Uh, mm. This is a Korean movie. Um, I'm not going to mention any oh, names. Oh, like Moby Dick. Yep. Uh, it's a kind of lengthy, I would almost call it epic, uh, small horror movie, just based on the length. Um, but it's this beautiful movie about a, a stranger showing up in a isolated uh, village and all of a sudden a strange kind of sickness starts spreading around and a variety of other strange happenings. And we follow a kind of, kind of doofy police officer who uh, is trying to make sense out of what's going on. And he also is trying to hold his family together. And uh, it is a kind of moving, it's a, a moving and beautiful movie that is also strange and scary at times. I totally recommend it. It's called The Wailing. Oh, I, I was not familiar with it, and looking up now, it was made by the same director who made The Chaser. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Which is good. Yeah. Okay, that's good. Uh, and I'm going to recommend a little movie, because mm-hmm. we're doing little movies today. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yep. Uh, this is a movie that is not gonna. Called it's Stuart not gonna Little. change your life. <laughs> it's called. It's called Little Stuart Little. It's about Stuart Little when he was a baby. Uh-huh. Uh, there's uh, Nick Park who created Walson Gromit came out with a movie last year called Early Man that mm-hmm. kind of came and went. And I can understand why it did. It's essentially the story of cavemen having a soccer competition. But uh, we watched it 
just the other week with uh, my son, we've instituted now Friday night is movie night mm-hmm. where he gets to watch a movie uh, before he goes to bed. How many of and those? Uh, how many of those movies are Cars three? We have put a limit on how many times we can watch the Cars movies. <laughs> <laughs> for a while, it was like, oh, it's movie night. What do you want to watch? Cars? No, we're not watching Cars tonight. Cars 3? No, we're not watching Cars 3 tonight. Uh, but he's a big fan of Wallace and Gromit, my son, as, of course, everyone with love in their heart is. Mm-hmm. And I didn't know. I, Early Man kind of came and went, and I hadn't heard much about it. And we were like, we'll give it a shot. And it was just really funny, Like, which shouldn't have surprised me. Like, It has a lot of the... Ardman animation inventiveness to it. Mm-hmm. The story is just kind of, you know, whatever. It's cavemen who want... It's the same old story of cavemen trying to save the valley from invaders by having a soccer competition with them. But mm-hmm. uh, it's just a really funny, fun movie, and I enjoyed it a lot, and I recommend it for families to watch. Great. Okay, three family recommendations. Yeah, I guess so. <laughs> <laughs> Wait, no. Well, <laughs> depends on how cool you your him. family is, dudes. You got Dan. You got him on that one. Yeah. Okay, now that we've got all that business out of the way, guys, let's talk about something fun. Oh, yeah, that's right. We're talking about the Max Fun Pledge Drive. Uh, This is our last break. Uh, I just wanted to hammer home that uh, the Max Fun, being part of the Max Fun Network is a huge deal for us. Um, It was really, uh, it was. It was kind of like a career milestone for us when we were invited and we were we joined the network. Um, it feels like we're part of a family, and through listening to Max Fun shows and interacting with both uh, Max Fun listeners and the hosts of the other programs, I feel like I've become a better person. Uh, and I like to think that a lot of that has to do with Max Fun. Um, and I think that's an organization that's worth supporting, and our shows are all worth supporting. So if you have uh, if you have a little bit of spare income and you'd like to support a uh, a bunch of cool shows and you'd like to support the entertainment that helps get you through the day, uh, please consider uh, either donating or if you're already a listener and you can afford it and you'd like some of the cool gifts, uh, why not upgrade? Dan, why are you laughing at me? I was burying my soul, Dan. I was like very touched by what Stuart was saying, and Dan is meanwhile just like snickering through the whole thing. He's a a kid, he's like a middle school kid at an assembly about bullying, and he's just like... No, it was a very nice thing that was said, and it was all true. I just, at some point, I... I, I Dan looked over, and on my notebook, I'm just writing 69 over and over, like a madman. (laughs) No, uh, for some reason... I suddenly imagined you going, if you've got a song in your heart and a dollar in your pocket, <laughs> donate to Maximum Fun. That would be that uh, would be, be weird fair, for me to say. Yeah. <laughs> that would that does sound like the thing he would say too. Yeah, sure. Mm-hmm. Uh, I I'd like to say uh, when it comes to the Max Fun Drive, like uh, doing the flop house is something that's very important to me, and I'm always touched by people who take something out of it. Uh, that helps them in their lives, even if it's just having a silly thing to listen to. Uh, it's been very helpful to me to have a source of income that I can rely on that helps supplement uh, what is a pretty uneven lifestyle, Which by which I mean being in entertainment and not having a steady year-round job. So I really appreciate that and something that I've come to rely on quite a bit. Uh, but Max Fun is not, Drive is not just about our show, although our show is important to us and hopefully <coughs> meaningful to you in some way. It's about a family of shows, nay, a galaxy of shows. Actually, no, nay, let's go back to family of shows. That sounds better because when you donate to us, 
you're also donating to the network. The network helps support a lot of different voices and a lot of different people who now have access to a wider audience and now can be a part of this family that we're all in. And I wanted to take a moment to thank our existing members. Uh, you really make it very possible for us to do this. Uh, and we're very glad that you have shown that support for us when you don't have to. You could listen to this show for free. You could say, hey, Ix cram Elliot. it with walnuts, buddy. Cram it with walnuts. I'm going to take this for nothing, and I don't want anything to give back. But a lot of people have said, no, I don't want to do that. I don't want to basically be, let's just say, scum uh, <laughs> for all those free riders. That might be a little harsh, but uh, uh, I want to thank the people who have already been supporting us uh, who are not scum. And I want to say that if you like your current membership level, just like stick with it, and we would really appreciate that. If you want to upgrade, we'd appreciate it so much. We would still appreciate that, and like you don't need to do it, but it would just be really meaningful. And we have that goal of 25000 for the whole network. Newer upgrading members, and that'll help us to do more. It'll help Max Fun to do more. Like Dan said, things like travel are things that we can do because the Flophouse has this money from members in its coffers that we can use to pay for stuff like airplanes and hotels and one one steak dinner a trip which we didn't get to do in wisconsin which was kind of a bone of contention for me that i was really looking forward to just sitting down and eating steak with my buds and we didn't get to do that but mm -hmm. you know whatever dan needed to go out and hang out with people sure that's fine oh yeah yeah uh, yeah make fun of me while we're asking for money make fun of me for wanting to hobnob with listeners <laughs> <laughs> uh but this is like when we were first asked uh to, well, when we talked to Max Fun about it and they agreed to uh, let us be part of their network, I didn't realize what a strong community we were going to be a part of and how many friends I was going to make from it and what a what a real feeling of like togetherness and uh, just connection we were going to get from it. And so I appreciate it personally. I know we all do and everyone at Max Fun does when our listeners become part of that community too by – helping us to keep going and supporting us. So we really appreciate it. Uh, again, if you can go to MaximumFun.org slash donate and select the membership level that feels right for you, uh -huh. credit card information, your basic information about shows, and that's all it takes. And then you can say as you walk around in your daily life, hey, mm -hmm. I'm more than just one of these regular people. <laughs> I'm a MaxFun donor. I'm a member of the MaxFun family uh, and because yeah. well, I was say, like, like, Stuart, like Stuart has seen real – you know, change like he was saying, changes in his thinking and being. I think I felt a little bit of that too. And it's just been like a really rewarding, wonderful place to be a part of. And please help us to continue to be a part of it and help us to keep going. We really appreciate it. Uh, and on a slightly less personal note, but an important note, uh, we sort of addressed it uh, briefly before, but uh, selecting the shows that you listen to means that the money that you give goes directly to supporting the shows that you like. Uh, which I think is a very important thing that um, for for listeners to know that if they're giving money, it's going to go to uh, the entertainment that they are specifically interested in. You know, some of it goes to uh, general operating costs, as it should. Yep. Uh, but the rest goes uh, directly to us, the uh, the podcast creators. Mm -hmm. And uh, after listening to this episode, if you're already a donor, you can just go in there and. Uh, remove the flop house because we're <laughs> terrible. <Delete. laughs> just set it to zero for the flop house. Uh, I think I would say that uh, knowing this is a Max Fun Drive episode, I felt a little bit of extra pressure and mm -hmm. might have 
buckled under that pressure slightly. Mm-hmm. Uh, and Stuart did a apologize. great job summarizing. And Dan, of course, did his usual, uh, I don't know what he does with his time or with his energy, but that's... Uh, <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> sure, that's right. That's fine. I, I only started the podcast, but it's, 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 it's cool, whatever. Oh, yeah. <laughs> okay. Uh, I will. This is this might be getting too personal, but also like working as a creative person, and I I don't know if Dan feels this way. Mm-hmm. Uh, the and Stuart is also a creative person, but but his profession is not based explicitly in it, so I don't know if he's the same thing. I find myself doing a lot of work, and this is gonna sound woe is me for working on TV shows and stuff. I find myself doing a lot of work where I am present. I am using my abilities to get someone else's message across or get someone else's idea across and to have something like the flop house where I can point to it and I, I can say, that's me and Dan and Stuart, the things that people like about it. That's me and Dan and Stuart, the things people don't like about it. That's still me and Dan and Stuart. Like we can take credit and we can take blame, but it's our thing. And we can point to it and say, that's ours. It doesn't, it's not anybody mm-hmm. else's and we're not working for anybody else. It's something that's very special to me. And the max fun drive is really what makes that possible because it makes, means that, we can carve out the time in our busy lives, and I can justify to my family sitting downstairs for a couple hours talking to Dan and Stuart about mm-hmm. peppermint while my wife takes care of both of our children. Uh, because Max Fund donors make it practical, but on an emotional level, I know it's very meaningful to me to have a thing where I can point to and I can say, that's Dan and Stuart's and mine. It's nobody else's, and that provides something for my soul that's very necessary. So thank you to everybody for making that possible and please help us continue to make that possible yeah i mean this is broadcast to the world so my Mm -hmm. official position as a person who's employed regularly is that my job is wonderful and i have no complaints (laughs) but as unofficial off the record as a a human being my uh my message is thank you for keeping me sane by (laughs) allowing me to have a thing that is uh my creative endeavor and not me putting words in someone else's mouth um yeah. Uh, yeah, what you guys said. <laughs> All right. Well, I guess that <laughs> is the most elegant way to sum everything up. So uh, thank you for listening. Thank you for hopefully donating. Uh, go at MaximumFun.org slash donate. Uh-huh. Yeah. And while you're at MaximumFun.org, you can check out other shows, obviously. Yeah, tons keep, of great content. Keep on tweeting about us. Keep on rating us on iTunes. Mm-hmm. But uh, for now... Yep. We should say goodbye. And I'm saying goodbye. And my name is Dan McCoy. I'm also saying goodbye. And my name is Stuart Lenton Wellington. I'm saying goodbye. And I'm also saying going to maximumfund.org slash donate and uh, donate some more, upgrade your membership or whatever. I don't know. But I'm saying goodbye mostly. And my name is Elliot Charles Kalen II. See ya. Bye. <laughs>